Phoenix, Bumtrips, Bush, Sean, DJ, Mini, Jedediah, and Steven the Astrologer, CosmicCircumstances.com. Yo, we're by the creek. I was hoping that the creek sound would become this murmuring, bubbling that would narrate the whole thing better than we do because we wanted to understand what astrology is, how you learn to be accessible to subtle forces. Subtle forces being that if the stars and planets are having a gravitational space-time warp emotional interface with us, then probably these are interacting in subtle ways because we don't overtly see them or know them or maintain stream believe them but here we are with steven who's been studying this in santa cruz since maybe the 80s we get into his history and where he came from with this and i gotta tell you now i don't really think we get an answer to what astrology is we don't get a direct answer and that's probably the most real way you can understand astrology what we get is a Mexican restaurant making coke. It's an equation that is set up in the sugar ratio. If you're, it's a proportions. It's a proportional balance. It's tubes. It's pipes. It's flows of energy. It's Kmart and Target and Borders bookstores. It's rock and roll bands from the Grateful Dead at Winterland being shut down by. Uh, the, by the sex pistols. All right, that makes no sense. Let me decipher and decode that a little bit the way that the stars come down and reach upon you like a mandala or a mandolin or a mandolin, no, a fucking chandelier. Like an octopus tentacle, like you're looking up at a falling grapefruits from the sky and they're splattering upon you. Yo, this is what it is. The stars happen and they are huge in gravitas and through scales beyond our understanding, they reach in and we are interacting and interfacing with scales at different time frames. And so of course the stars have a pull upon us, but not any more than our local department stores and not certainly not more than the Beatles. And this will become clear in talking with Stephen. Stephen is an astro astrologer, and we're trying to understand what astrology is, but we don't even get much further than the tilt of the earth and the sun's axis. As he then is going through his own emergence of being a narrator to culture that he started maybe in the 70s and then learned more thoroughly at the Grateful Dead and has kind of taken a back seat to and just a day has re-emerged. So along the way, I hope that it becomes clear within the scattering and loose ends, the octopus tendrils, the bits of hair coming down from the sky, that what is going on is that you are moved by forces. The forces come in levels of intensity that you can feel. They become, they come in levels of like, a, like potent physicality. So you are moved by the department stores. You're moved by your bookstore. You're moved by your tape Kmart, your cape, your, um, your university, you're moved also by your Grateful Dead and by your Beatles. These are like, uh, they're anchoring points, they're tubes, they're flushing, they're tidal shifts, they're huge conductors of flow. 
Now this flow happens within yourself and you are your own constellation and then your family is a constellation and your friends are a constellation and you're all this intertwining root structure of energy flows going back and forth. But this doesn't stop at the planet. It keeps going past the atmosphere and reaches out into the stars. And people then have been watching the patterns of the stars because those are the first like uh, they're the first sense of wonder they're the first distance they're the first mathematical patterns because they're up in the sky and you're ancient and you're watching the sky and you're seeing the math physically like you have no idea what math is but you can watch it and from this watching it reaches literally into your brain and starts pulling out concepts like the universe and earth and the sky interacting with the eyeballs pulls math out into actual reality of your understanding and in doing this you set up patterns and then you look at how your girlfriend's acting when the sky is in this orientation and this cluster of stars is happening here and you start timing it with her period and noticing her mood and where her mood is moving and you realize when she was born and that she's a lot like and then you start making the connections of human personalities and moods and where this is all swirling. And you start noticing that this tide is happening here and that this tide is wartime and that this tide is prosperous and that this tide. And all of a sudden, the more you matrix and grid this out, you have a weather pattern for the earth that deals with movements of energy contracting and releasing emotional ebbs and flows. And you put enough of this database in that now you need counselors, astrologers, scientists, people who notice and take record of it, shamans and priests to decode it, and you're watching the stars and you're moving it through, and ultimately it lines up to a point that you're right back where you're beginning, where you're just observing and interpreting it. So ultimately what you come down to is this idea of going with it, because you realize that what you are is just watching. You're part of it and you're in it and you interact with it so go with it because you cannot stop it well we go with the flow of the nighttime we post it up by the creek we talk until it gets dark steven is this is the first time meeting steven he shows up like he's not late but he thought he was late and he said it was because he misread his clock and i thought that was a perfect introduction ironically to meeting an astrologer and he's on point and he says later that he's scattered and recognizes where he's pretty self-observant of his own nature in this conversation but his thing is to submit to the flow uh, yeah we think of coincidence as being random meaningless but it can be a meaningful coincidence it's, it's not odds that we both came here on the same weird day where no one's here but us because we're the same type of people who would come here on a day like this Coincidence was yeah. the title of my chat book. Really? My poetry chat book for like AP, AP English. Yeah, wow. But spelled with a K O, so yeah. like co as in the game of Go. Oh, okay. There's a set of moves that comes up and it's called, it's a scenario that they call co because co means infinity. It's a situation where you could go back and forth and back and forth endlessly forever. So they had to make a special rule just for when this comes up to kind of resolve that I see. from happening in the game. Yeah. So coincidence with the KO is mm -hmm. an incidence of infinity. 
a special rule to stop infinity from happening in the game? In the game, well, to go, stop yeah. it from tying up the game endlessly. I guess in you'd chess, never get out of the game that in, way. In chess, there's a similar thing, I think, where if you keep going back and forth, a certain, I think a certain number of times, then it's called a stalemate. Yeah, look, we got other things to do. It can happen. Yeah, there's yeah. a thing where you can you can just. I put you in trouble, you get out of trouble. I right. put you in trouble, I get out of trouble. And, and how long do you want to do this? And back and forth and back right. and forth, yeah. yeah. Steven, I'm going to just start rolling this here. You're the doctor. We're in <laughs> beat next bump test bullshit. A little preliminary narration. We're sure. in, we're surrounded by a creek at this point. It's almost evening time. We're talking with Steven. I've been looking forward to this conversation because homeboy DJ Mini Minin Dwarf Sean <laughs> had sent me a text a few months back where it was the description and it was of you. Yeah. It was, uh, you had described the planets oscillating or communicating in a musical way. And oh, it was like each yes. planet then had a resonance that was like, like a musical yeah, happening. I, I yeah. think I sent him your webpage. Sure. That's it, was, it, it was that's a clip it. from it. Yeah, or there's a, there's a little, there's like a two-page sort of board game instructions. And I talk about it like that because the only way I could get into it, the only, I, I'm a... Um, you know, I could only back into astrology when somebody said something to me that made sense in terms of like tidal dynamics, seasonal things. And I got a I got a calendar that described the basics in terms of natural seasonal cycle and the counterbalancing musical harmonics of the planets. Go, okay, that makes sense to me. And then the combination creating like you know energy tides. I come from like sort of social science but cultural history interest. Yes. So put it in, in those terms, like, okay, because I, I, I've always been interested in um, the underlying systemic nature of how things work and how parallel things work. And I've, you know, we use the word, super, we use the word superficial to, we, we accuse people of being superficial when they're trying to keep things, you know, light. They, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're afraid of depth. They're just superficial. But okay. superficial just means close to the surface. Yeah. And I tend, I got a, a broad, shallow <laughs> knowledge, you know, because I'm especially interested in how things interrelate. So you don't yeah. need to know that much, you know. I'm not making excuses for myself, but I tend to... Well, that's why I was so stoked to talk to you is because you're a planetary weatherman. Good Good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. you to get there. You would have been in touch with somewhat of su- subtle forces, and then also imaginatively huge forces. Yes, I remember when you were doing a reading for my family, specifically for my son. Right, and I think it was kind of after the part of the reading. Well, like especially with you guys, and I do. I went off into so much related stuff. It was like the 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 history of our culture with the weather report of astrology on top of it. Yeah, and that was just blowing my mind. Oh, good. (laughs) From this talk, I'm hoping to have an understanding of what the planetary weather is, and then your process in being able to feel that out sure already i kind of am hearing that it's it's you have a superficial top layer that you've gathered from a calendar and now you understand these interlocking well it's ever since ever since that thing made sense to me i've run with this is before you were in 1976 84 um 
because that made sense to me, I could now follow it and develop my own sense of things, and even, not so much my own language, but I tend to talk about it in descriptive, familiar dynamics. I couldn't get into, I wasn't interested in, you know, folklore and mythology and stuff. It was literally more, like you say, like um, a kind of a cyclical weather thing, unique. Energy tides. Right, exactly. This is the challenge of any astrologer, because I think you get some kind of an innate understanding a bit of a knowing a familiarity with what's happening up there and how it relates mm-hmm, down here mm-hmm. but how do you communicate to the lay person what uranus is well right how and do that, you translate that feeling or that energy that state feeling, that into character that an entire idea that we know and see ironically that's the part i'm actually good at the problem is and doing a reading, just tell me, should I be going out this, with this guy or not? You know? <laughs> that's, the, that's not the reason to have a reading. Well, well, right. Well, and the yes, thing it is, is. What are you talking well, about? The thing I is, just told you to do that the other day. <laughs> that's exactly why you should have a reading. I, I, to me, it's nature is always in balance, just unique. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is we should just give in and go along with it, whether we understand it or Yo, not. Nature's but always if, in balance. But sometimes understanding it can help you with more comfortably giving in, in part yeah. because the solution to the thing that's hanging you up isn't to figure it out and apply the solution. It's to, it turns out you just need to kind of give in and go along with it. And that's why I always tell people, well, that's why I'm good at explaining how it works, but the danger is, besides, I just want to know if I should be going out with this guy. It's even like when I'm looking into someone, I often explain too much because I, I there's too, like that day with you guys, I, besides getting into Related, but anyway, getting back to whether I should be going out with this guy. Um, I tend to want people to share something of my, I won't call it superficial, like I said, I'm just saying, superficial is closer to the surface. My thing is more essential. How about that? An essential understanding, I can get into it further. It's a generalized... Yes. Application. Because I am only talking about it in the way I'm not, well, according to the book, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or this associated with the myth of whatever, that's fine. But my thing is, I only kind of got into it myself with a kind of a seasonal cycle and counterbalancing, musically counterbalancing planets at their different rates, moving through it, and then combining to create, you know, energy tides where we are. So to some extent, so if, I'm, if I'm going to try to talk to people about specifics, I've had to learn, and it still really varies how good I am at it, how to convey my essential take on it, because that's how I'm going to be talking about it, and for some um, generous or pathological, depending on the day, I want people to kind of understand how I'm talking about it because I couldn't have followed all kinds of complicated technical things and I'm yeah. not trying to you're not there to help them with their personal issues well even if no, I he is he's even a if distillery I am. he's a distillery for the cosmos because he can read the musical interplay and he knows the energy tides and he can't just tell them well this is what the math is saying he takes the math and puts it in a surface or essential or distilled into a sentence that's just like, hey, this is the plot, this is the plot twist, yeah. and get ready, you're for a very special issue tonight. Yeah, and that's the thing is I can, um, like I say, to some extent I have too much of a personal need, at least sometimes. 
so, so that other people have the same understanding I do because mind isn't it's seasoned by years but it's not real deep and complex so I might as well kind of show you you keep saying that though but why is it not deep and complex well it actually is that's and, what and I'm like it, okay it's, an, it's essential of its depth when I, when I, let, me, let me put it differently than that um, it's not I read all the books I know lots of stuff about stuff I'll try to limit it for you. It's more, I've had a lot of experience and I've got my own take on things, but it's just because I've got this basic take that I remember years ago, um, somebody said, I freaked out my housemate because I woke up this morning and rattled some stuff off to him about what's going on right now. He says, how do you... How can you explain it? Like, well, I ran into this guy who put it in terms I could understand. I can even explain it to you over breakfast. And it was, because well, it's pretty basic, but it draws on, everybody knows feelings about the building of the solar energy and the, even, okay. Well, the building of the solar energy? Well, here's the, the thing. Feelings? How about this? I'll, I'll, I'll go into, like, something essential about the context of what we're going through right now, not even the particulars of, like, yeah, today. Yeah, I want to hear about right now. Here, here's the thing. Okay, here's what I say to people in the, in the simplest way. Well, it turns out, it took them a while to figure out the, the planets are not going around us, they're going around the sun. We got one moon that goes around us. But yeah. basically, we're the third planet in a system of nine major planets that orbit a, a star we call our sun in gravitational interrelationship. Yes. Um, and they seem, you know... Science isn't what you can prove. You can be obsessed with the scientific method of making hypotheses and testing them and deciding we can now claim this is true. But people mistakenly think that's the definition of science. Science just means drawing conclusions based on observation as opposed yeah. to the holy man told you or whatever. He may be right. Yeah. But it was a big thing to say, we're going to stick to what we, Which is... And that's actually where astrology... Your is, observations is the first science. are the first only sciences. based on what you're, what you're looking through. So it's like your observation is based on how far your telescope is going out. Well, even if you don't have a telescope, how about, how about something as simple as we don't know what that particularly relatively bright... Here, here's the thing, one of those... I wasn't, you know, eight years old when I had this blow mind. Wow. When you look up in the sky, okay, there's the sun, whatever the heck that is. This is like in ancient times. Yeah. Sun, radiant source of, phys- of vitality, light and heat, and goes around like... Se- oh. seem- seems to go around once a day, and something happens the year round. Okay, yeah. you can kind of just notice that. You don't even need a telescope. Seems to go around I don't know what it is. It literally seems like observing. I just to be in the civilization time when you're just still guessing about when the sun's happening. No, but this is what I'm saying. Before yeah. things were civilized, it was at that same time they were trying so desperately to understand, and they noticed all these much finer details. That's the thing is, you can just say, "Well, here's the thing we all can see. There's this big thing that rises in the morning and spends the half a day going through the daytime sky, and then disappears." But kind of reemerges on the other side. Okay, sun. Yeah, that's that's not a good sign. But 
I brought them and then didn't put them I'm going to keep my eye out for you. Thank I'll you. be your mosquito gardener. Thank you very much. <laughs> so there's the sun, whatever that is, that seems to go around us once a day. That's just a simple observation. Appears to be the same size as the moon. Well, that's what's super crazy. Right. Oh, that would be. And, yeah. and, and okay. it, They because must have thought they were relatively equal entities. Yes, and it's re- that is a remarkable thing. Yeah. Because totally all it would remarkable. have to be is the moon a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, a little bit closer, a little bit and a you would tiny percentage it's unbelievable from us and it would be a remarkably different size in the sky. And I, I don't know if I wow. mentioned wow. this yes. Holy shit. No, that I think of it, it's like they really do look the same. They're the exact same. Are the discs. They the exact they're same? exactly yes. they're the fuck? with this like because it's coincidence. <laughs> No, it's really true, and that's the only reason why you get an exact solar eclipse. Right. A lunar eclipse, the whole moon is suddenly blocked out by us for a while. And that's an optical. A solar eclipse is the moon seems to be passing in front of the sun, but only if you're standing in the right spot. Yeah. A, a, A lunar eclipse is a real thing where the reason why the moon turns red is for a couple hours, even on the bright side of the moon, it's dark because they, the sun is blocked out. But we're not the same size as the sun for the lunarians or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's only for us. And here's the thing I've recently heard. Wait, wait, it, for other entities on the planet? No, I, I don't know. If you were, stand, if you were standing on the moon... During oh, Lumeria, a lunar like eclipse, people on the moon. Yeah, that, I was I was oh, just making that Earth, up. The oh, Earth okay. would be okay. the Earth would yeah. appear much larger than the sun. Well, yes, and oh, okay. a so and, a, and an eclipse eclipse of the sun, as observed on the moon, is we're way bigger than the sun. Yeah. It's not the same thing as that the exact the disk is the sun, but for us it really is. And they only vary solar eclipses. Total solar eclipses only vary. Be, depending on in the slight variance of our orbit, whether we're a little bit closer, the moon and us relative to the sun, there's a little bit of variance there that changes whether it's one of those solar eclipses has a little bit the diamond ring effect yeah. or whether it's totally blocked out. Yeah, yeah. But that's a subtle so this function. This is not coincidence. This is miraculous. This is well, like we're living within some sort of grid work of perfection. Here, here's the odd thing. Either... It seems like there must be consequence for life on this planet that, A, a full moon is just, the moon goes around us. We have one moon. It's round. Some of them just have weird rocky things going around them, and a bunch of them. We have one moon. It appears round. And it goes around us 12, then I think it's like a third times a year. So essentially 12 months a year we have. And when the moon is full, it's opposite the sun. That's why we see the full round reflection, because we can see it. When it comes two weeks later, we can't even see it. It's called a new moon. In fact, that's actually when you get a solar eclipse, is at an exact new moon. It's not just coming around left and right, but they happen to be overlapping exactly. Um, But we don't even see it. It just so happens they can, you know, you have a crescent moon before, okay. But here's the, here's the thing I was going to throw in. In the really interesting stuff that is explored, in fact, the, the History Channel show uh, Ancient Aliens. Yeah. All sorts yeah. of crazy stuff, all sorts of very interesting stuff, archaeological stuff, whatever. Hell yeah. But one thing, and I remember hearing about this, is 
that when they set up a seismometer on one of those six times they went to the moon. Uh-oh. Thank you. Yeah, that was silly. Here, I will take that then. I'll put it on my lap. What the heck? Thank you. Um, the last thing that was wrapping, well, I guess my I did a headband in the library, but before okay. that, it was uh -oh. a stack of Rachmaninoff and Bach records. Excellent. So, Hope it seeps in. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I, th there was a thing about this. Oh. What's kind of what's the deal with the moon and some things that have been said about the moon and stuff. Yeah. I'm. I'd settle for. How interesting. Maybe the... You're talking to two guys who wrote an entire album about the moon. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Uh, sure. But I just learned right now that the moon and the sun are the same size. And yeah, I've been looking at this guy. That's great. Like, we got even less deep thank you, <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, and the thing is, maybe it's, you know, random like billiard balls, but incredibly meaningful that if it's in this place, and remember our planet happens to be tilted, which is what creates the, ver the seasonal variance. Take a little bit. You know, the, it's the tilt of our planet that creates the appearance that this path of the sun gets higher yes. towards summer solstice in the north and lower noon. The, like the wobble of the earth, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, or is it, the, oh no, it's just tilted. No, it's just tilted. It's just tilted. Now, now the fact is, the it does wobble. Is, yes. And that's where you get uh, the age of Aquarius thing. Because the so-called age, and it's a 2100-year period. The, here's the thing. The pl our planet is tilted. So it creates the appearance that every day the sun rises in the east, gets as high as it's going to get, and eventually sets in the west. But in fact, even though fucking turning the clock ahead an hour, which is insane... You want to get up earlier because it's easier by all means. Hey, we'll let you off earlier. We'll this let you off at four. Thoroughly against daylight savings time. I used to love it. I, my thing is, like everybody else, I love daylight savings time. No, it turns out you love the later summer evenings. That happens naturally. People mistakenly think turning the clock ahead is what creates that. Ooh, I wish we had it year round. You know, we tried it once. And, Wait a minute, why isn't it light and warm in the evening in February? Because <laughs> it wasn't changing the clock. And it's really fucked up. And I'm. I'm doing what I can to change it. Because... Side note, let's get back to that later. When, when the, the noon... We only have been on standard time for 100 years. We just celebrated in 2018. We celebrated the 100th anniversary of going along with the railroads who said, we need a standardized thing for train... Um, this standardized tuning, it's all bunk. Standardized tuning. Well, see, I do. I finally learned as a non... I've learned, oh, I like Jack Daniels. I'll sip, I'll slowly sip a shot of Jack. So I can't drink really? with, the, with the adults. You like Jack Daniels. Yeah, I, I just found something I kind of like, what do you mean, you, you don't slam it? No, I, I sip it. Right. With, when, right. I'm on, when I'm on Southwest and they want to, here, I'll use my free drink coupon you gave me. I'd like a shot, of, I'd like a Jack and a Coke separate, please. Mm. Because I like sipping the Jack and then following up with a Coke, which is so unbelievably sweet. Yeah. It's a nice cut. A after, after a sip of Jack, it's like you went to the greatest Mexican restaurant. My sister and I will compare Mexican restaurants who are dialing in the machine. You know, they're not just giving you in a bottle. Yeah. They, it, it's always sweeter. <laughs> they're like a more grounded yeah. culture, and they, they tur oh, turn up the sweetness. They skip more syrup, more syrup Crank in the, the coke. Syrup. And it's like, there's nothing like a Coke at Old Coyote. Mm. Nothing like a Coke at Old Coyote. Okay, it is a restaurant in Hollywood that we go to. 
<laughs> a restaurant in Hollywood? I grew up in West Hollywood. So we go to El Coyote, which has been there for like, I think next year's its 90th birthday. It was like, it was like Mexican food for white people. It was like for Hollywood white people. It's been there forever. It's this really cool place. Years ago, it's all different now, but years ago where they had to like raise the price on their margarita from like two and a quarter to 235 or something. It came with like an apology on your table, <laughs> you know, from management. Yeah. It was just fantastic. A margarita with an apology. Yeah. And uh, what is Ancient Aliens? You were into Ancient I know the no, show. No, it's a great but, show. Some of them are just you, coming up with something. What were you like driving at with Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was about the moon. There was an episode about the mystery of the moon. Okay. So besides, I've been fascinated by, wow, it's either what are the odds, but it changed life on the planet to have a, a, because the planet is tilted, it creates an annual seasonal cycle. The angle, even though every day, noon, I started to say, even setting aside the change the clock bullshit, we're lucky we're accepting uh, time zones, standard time says everybody to the east, everybody to the west will agree to set their clock at noon, the average. It's at least accurate in the middle of it. Yeah. Daylight saving time, which it's neither, is everyone's off, just some people more than others. Yes. Because noon, it used to be till, 28, till 1918, everybody set their clock, 12 noon, 12 o'clock noon is when the sun is overhead. You can see it, you can do it, and if we did it now... Everybody you talk to locally would be on the same time. Mm -hmm. Even if people 100 miles east, maybe, are a couple minutes earlier. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody would be in the same time. And believe it or not, something I will never convince people of. It would be easier to be on real time. Noon is when the sun is overhead. And know that around here, standard time... Here, I will tell you, we're eight minutes west of the meridian we're set for. So actually, noon happens at 12.08 standard time, at 1.08, let's pretend time. Yes. Oh, interesting. And I think LA is, it's the opposite. It's actually, but it would still be easier, believe it or not. I I need to get into the birds because I love birds and I don't know enough about them and I like the ones I see and I see the birders in Henry Cowell and I go, and now you can like get it on your phone and stuff. Are you, are you a person who would like to see a 13-moon calendar? No. 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 That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Ooh. I'll tell you why. Because there aren't 13 moons a year. There are 12 and a third. You know, let me put it this way. I'm Jewish. They made me go to Hebrew school. I, I was get, interested in the history part, yeah? I get confused about the number, because the moon does take the same number of days to go around. It's like 20... Nine. Yeah. What is it like? It's something that's also like that. a weird fraction. Yes. Which is part of why it's not. The- and and it can vary because oh. the moon's orbit is not exactly circular. Okay. Our orbit around the sun is not exactly circular. Yeah. And sometimes it's closer, and sometimes it's farther. All of which will vary a cycle like that minutely, but critically. That's why we have the. That's where we get the sun version. Is that's where we get the leap year day. Do we do astrologers have the math on all this dialed pretty accurately? Sure, but that's why. Like when I'm con- plugging it into my little, you know, oh, no, astrology they, chart, it's gonna. Yes, well, that's the thing. Be precise. When my chart was done. It was before computers and 
Rosemary Pilnick, with all the books and stuff, had to do the calculations. Right. Good, good luck with she's that. She's one I, of the original ladies? No, she's uh, somebody I went to elementary school with who moved up here at the same time I did. Oh. And she knew how to do it, so she did my chart. And yeah. um, How old were you when you first had your chart then? Well, that's a good question. It was an elementary school. No, 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 no. Here's what it was. I came here 19, I came to Santa Cruz in 1970 to go to UCSC when it was a small, experimental, famous, and affordable. And most of the groovy, experimental, late 60s places were like expensive private places. They intentionally did it. They were building three new campuses and, and expanded the others to get ready for the baby boom that's about to come through like a rat swallowed by a snake. Yeah. I'd like to think we were better for the culture than that, but that's the metaphor I use today. Got, um, a, hump, got a hump in the middle of that uh-huh. <laughs> Um So here's the thing. So the then liberal head of the whole University of California system, famously liberal guy, uh, Jerry Brown's dad was the two-term governor. And they had flushed with money and they were getting ready to build. They appointed a friend of the guy, Clark Kerr was his name, ran the whole university system, a friend of his and, 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 and his friend to be the founders of UCSC. And in fact, he told a great story. Now watch out. I, I, tangents are all connected to the same circle, but mm. whatever happened to your original point. So I will be, I'll try <laughs> to watch tangents out. Tangents are all connected to the same circle. Yeah, but doesn't mean... I realized like, that with the Coyote Soda restaurant. I was like, oh, they just got it dialed, just like the right time zone or the right angle of coyote the Coyote Soda restaurant? Or in Hollywood, the Mexican restaurant. Oh, right? Coyote. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah, and, and it's just you. like... What do the yeah. green lines mean? Okay, I'll if tell you. If you get your soda lined up right, you can get your planet lined up right, and then you get your angle lined up right. And you Jack Daniels lined and, up right. And then eventually, everything's clicking and you're moving into a groove. Well, I say it that when go with the groove, whether you understand it or not, and if, this is what I have to tell people. It's I'm not here to make groove. predictions. Or, here's, I'll tell you what it tell is. Tell us what these green it's lines that, are. Yeah. Not a prediction, I, no, this is just what this no, green line you. is. Well, okay. Talking about astrological weather, the, I, don't, I don't know if you'd consider it more regular than the weather patterns that we see in terms of rain and clouds and such, because that seems pretty chaotic, random to me. That well, there's probably some... Oh, no, it is. It is. No, because it is unique. At all. I would say... But the, the planets are so regular, right? Well, the, yes, that's the thing. But in and a yet weird... there's so much to it and so many little fractional things that create these almost fractal-like patterns that well, but the, this is, but the this amount is why of variation now... is, is immense. Think about how now you can get... It's, mm. it's super crazy that you can... I, will, I have the apps for both the Weather Channel and AccuWeather on my phone for Felton, supposedly, and they'll sometimes be like 12 degrees off. One of you yeah. ought to just go into another business or something. Because how can <laughs> you both be wrong? But here's the thing. When they can tell you like 10 days out, that'll be... And I'm getting alerts from Weather Channel. It's pretty... Weather alert. At, 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 at 8.47, there'll be a brief seven-minute uh, shower in Felton. Well, at least then they can kind of see it coming. Yeah. But how can you... Because they have computer models yeah. that... But that's like the computer models for astrology that take the literal mathematics, the observable, unique, ornate, but yes, predictable. Yes. Mathematics. Mathematics. Think of it this way. Astrology, well, astronomy is a science. Astrology is just some sort of bullshit, hocus-pocus thing. It's not really a science. And I say, no, astrology is actually the first science because all it means is the logic 
of the progressive alignments of the observable cosmos. Boom. It turned into, they figured out it's an actual star, it's an actual moon. It turns out we're the third one. That's why they seem to zigzag because they're not going around us. Well, that was a huge breakthrough. How come they start to slow down? They start to back up? Because they appear yeah, to, that's what's called retrograde. they had those answers, they had some probably relatively accurate answers about how does this apply to our energy? That, that's that's what, what, I, what I'm wondering. That's, what how, I, that, that's where this where, started. Where did that happen? Okay, because here's the thing. Before telescopes... Where, where does it apply it, to your emotional state, well, here's to your the thing. personality, let me, let me whether go to or the not ba- you should date him? Let me go like, to the... How first of all, start to first, record First that? of all, what I say is astrology is the observation of the alignment of the solar system in our sky and the apparent consequences yeah. for life on this planet. And in fact, I say mm, mm. at the end of my two pages, I, I got it down to like two sentences. I say that and I say, well, you can try to use it to make predictions and give advice. It's most valuable as a reinforcing reflection of underlying nature. But I say where it's best give in and go along with it is going to be the bottom line. So that's why I tell people, if understanding where we are in these uniquely unfolding rhythms and cycles and energy emphasis, which I know something about, and I can actually, it's not hocus pocus for me, because back when they didn't know what it was, and this is, here's, I started to say, what what is your, what's your website called? I, I barely have anything on there. I'm ready to really update it. But these it's, two pages called, I've read are good. Yeah, they're on there. I think an older version is on there. It's under Astrology Key. Cosmic Circumstances. Cosmic Circumstances. A, yeah. like and if I do com? your chart, what's that? Cosmic Circumstances.com. Yeah. And I need, to, I need to get my password, com. find out my password, so I can have my friends. I think I can update your website that my friend did for me uh, how once in, in 2005, and I haven't these touched graphs, it since. Sean sends me these circle charts. Yes. With, like, the green lines going across, and there's well, here, always, like, a different geometric shape. Yes, here, and it's let a me circle answer your question, because that's an easy one. Within a circle, and there's different, like... Okay, configurations of shapes around the, the outside a, of them. A birth chart shows it, it, it's a weirdly, somewhat unnecessarily Greek to most people coded map <laughs> of how everything appeared at that moment in that place that you were born or you're looking at some moment. Then yeah, there, unnecessarily then, Greek. I, I just like that sense. Because because word. if I print it out, I at least do something with my pen to show you how the what I call the seasonal seasonal cycle, named for stars, they're not even lined up with it anymore. The twelve so-called signs of the zodiac are not even lined up. This is what when you get your you want a thirteen-month calendar. I don't. I started to say I grew up Jewish, where the Hebrew calendar uses a is a lunar calendar. The months go from new moon to new moon. Yeah. The problem is you're going to start accumulating some stuff. It's, it's way off. And they add a Is month. They accurate? add a, a month, a 13th month, like five out of every 17 years or something. Okay. And it's like, you know, that's... Ju- June 7th, 2022, uh-huh. we've got three green lines going from top left crescent. No, no you don't. You don't. He all does. All the way. No, you don't. He does. Because I'll tell you what that is. There's your birth... <laughs> Wait, this is don't not we, universal. Don't we all have it here? No, because... This I, is local? Wait a second. This is now local. Oh, I was wrong. I'm sorry. This, this is, is the. Great. I'm assuming yes. this is the weather report. I just don't know how. to No, read no, no. It. This is not the weather report because the weather report would be some guy claiming it's going to rain or be sunny. Yeah. So the fact like is, some Bob Dylan the, poser. The um, it's interesting. The 
<laughs> you don't know Neil Weatherman to know which way the wind oh, blows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that's, that's a good one. Right, gotcha. Um, here's the thing. It'd be better for his jump the, ideas anyway. Whoa. Uh, probably not. Um, oh, yeah, lines are drawn. Well, you know, she's always bugged me. I, I, I love her, I appreciate her, respect her. I like that she admits, I was an idiot. What was I doing in that room? He was done with me. I'm with Bob or what? Yeah. She's talking about in, in the movie Don't Look Back. Yeah. Where yeah. she's an embarrassment to herself. She says, I kept thinking he was going to invite me on stage. He was way past me. I'm an idiot. Oh, well, she was in love. She didn't she consult was in love. her yeah, astrology. She's still she in could love. have, like... No, no. Well, here's the... Okay, here's out. the thing. Let's go back to that, because here's the thing. Bob was a fucking asshole. Like, was? She You're being very generous. <laughs> she the guy she should have been in that room, and he should have gone No, he was an it. asshole. He, he was... And, Maybe he's not. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks. You got tickets to that? How uh, dare you? Yeah, because I, I follow How him on Facebook. You? And I knew, and I know, first of all, maybe he's I can play, afford... Bob Jones playing in Santa Cruz at, like, the fucking gym. That's, yeah, the that's exactly gym, what I say to dude. people. It's, it's a WPA. Like... <laughs> you know what the WPA was? The, no. the, 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 um, the Great Depression uh, Works Progress Administration. Most of our buildings, most of our bridges, most of our parks were when FDR said, oh, so I guess I'm not a socialist if I put people to work... Doing some of the shit we need with tax yeah, money yeah. that is a, such an infinitesimal investment of tax money. Yeah. You know, so I'm a not a socialist. Movie. I'm protecting you from socialism. And, By but, working. And, and we're still, you go to Henry Cowell and it's like, yeah, 1930 something. It's like, yeah, that's the last time we invested in stuff we needed till the businessman got to take over again, you know. How'd you get tickets? Because I knew it was happening and I was already and I was signed in and I knew the moment it was going to go on. You didn't consult the stars for it, did you? Fuck no. Okay. Okay. Um, I went click, and I knew that um, the best place to sit in that stupid acoustically nightmarish room yeah. is in the back. Yeah. And then maybe I could have played and go, oh, I've seen the orchestra play there. I've seen the Santa Cruz Orchestra. I've seen oh. Primus play there. But to see Bob Dylan, I've gone to their rock fairs. Well, the, they have like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. rock fairs. No, it's, I love it. And actually, I think, that, I think they've done stuff to the room. Mineral and to, gem fairs? Yeah. 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 To make it acoustically better for the symphony that still is believing they're going to build them a better room someday and they still have it. Why don't you play in the, high, in the basketball tent we put up for the team? No. So they, <laughs> they're still hoping, when do we have enough money to build a performance? You know, you know, Google and Amazon are taking over. You know this, right? That's why all of... All of South Pacific Avenue. Tell this to his dad. His dad's building it all. Oh, that's okay. Uh, listen, I, that's okay. Because here's the thing: when there was an, when there was a, um, when Borders, a great bookstore, wanted to move into where Forever Twenty One is now, the big giant glass and steel luxury apartments on like yeah. Pacific and I guess that's SoCal, where yeah. the buses used to be. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw in everything that I remember. I'm a new guy to Santa Cruz, and at this point, I'm like sort of an <laughs> old-timer veteran. I'm what used to be here. Yeah, I remember Borders being, them saying, don't come in. Yes, Yeah. great. So when my friend said to me, bookstore. why? But one thing, where, um, where Plaza Art just went out of business in the movie theater building, I'm talking about, uh, Palace, yeah. excuse me, Palace yeah. Art. Palace yes. Art. Uh, for a That's while, a that was the was, best place to go into I know. and smell art supplies. I know. You just walk I'm in so, there, that, just I'm so sorry. That's, you didn't do that? It's you just go a funny it. statement. 
You just yes. go in smell there and the smell of ink. Smell oh, no, the paper. It just reeks of creativity. It reeks all those of things paper that paper yeah. creativity. There's all kinds of excited women like gathering mm-hmm. their supplies mm-hmm. for their projects. Mm-hmm. They're always in short shorts and like dialed into their pins. It's good. <laughs> you know, it's good. There was a woman who worked there. That was like their third location since I've been here. Maybe fourth. Hmm. But there was a woman. It's a palace of art. Who was though. there till they closed it? Yeah. Now her hair was all long and gray. No, oh, nice. But she was always there. She was a pen sniffer. She was. <laughs> she just highlighted her hair with the sample pins. And I, now she was she was great. And I I didn't tell her I had She's the like, discretion. I fucking hate art. I did I did have the discretion to say you know for a down to earth woman. You're strangely hot. You, you, I always found you strangely hot, and you still are. But I, I had the, I didn't. Wait, you said this? To no, her? I didn't. I said, "Hey, I remember <laughs> you from the old of... place. It's nice to see you." <laughs> oh. Okay, you did the translation. Put through the uh, surface <laughs> level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the filter yeah. bounced off the yeah. surface. The, the 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 dialogue bubble says this. The thought bubble says. There's something you're about you smoking. that's still appealing to me, and you're much older now, and so am I. Right. Um, so yeah. The, but here's the thing. So right, before they were in there was briefly Crown Books. Yeah. Mm. The son of the guy who owns the New England Patriots briefly had a business, like something like Donald Trump Jr., uh, buying closeout books and selling stacks of them cheap in a low overhead place. And Bookshop Santa Cruz had to do battle with them. Mm. And the whole company went out of business. Book battles. But then Borders was going into the new ground floor of the big six-story glass and steel with luxury apartments on top. Stop borders. I'm glad you remember that. People yeah. said to me, how come you're not joining the movement to stop borders? You've been here longer than any of us. I go, well, that's why. There's a few reasons. That sweet, sleepy little town I'm supposed to defend, it's gone. Yeah. Um, we're moving on, apparently. Yeah. Um, I went into the Vision Santa Cruz office. Yeah, you guys were five. Are we just being friendly? Do you know her? <laughs> totally. That's actually miraculous. That was my uh, therapist last summer. Yeah. And right this bridge is where I went to learn about the uh, subconscious and like the deep, dark parts of the subconscious after one of her sessions. Wow. So I went and read how about do, it underneath there. She looks like she'd be a great she therapist. She doing phone dude, dude, no, no. She has an office on this river and she would put what? a lounge. You know how you like lay down in therapy? She had the fucking lay down In the thing. movies. Yeah, I was like, finally, I get to do the real deal. Yeah, I, right. I wanted off the phone. I was like, I want to do this in person. I want to be like nervous and intense and like feel weird yeah, right. about telling But laying down. Me. Yes. Where it's, where it's safe to be flailing. is in the creek. What? Her couch is in the creek. And she brought me to the place where I had my surface level anxiety. Mm. And then she was like, oh, all right, thank that for its, for its service for you. And then she dropped it. Now what's below that? And it was, and then she dropped it to emotion below that. And she got me down to my furthest core emotions that were formed like fantastic. as a child. And I was so railed and I was like bawling tears. And then afterwards I just went, I've just felt high, like psychedelic yeah. high. So I went for a run through this forest and you just got deeper into that trip, and then she had recommended uh, like a, like a Carl Jung like deep yeah, yeah. like get to know your dark side type of book, and yeah, I read yeah, it yeah. under this bridge. 
I was like, oh, there's a whole quadrant of forces that we're not tapped into. Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever's your dark side, what you regale, is there generating its own power you force. You bet. And there she goes. She just popped up out of the woods. I haven't seen her That's in fantastic. real life. I wonder if she was overhearing us and amused, which is fine with me. Dude, the last time I was downtown, Forever 21, where Borders was oh, yes. going uh-huh. to be. Wait, in Forever 21, I kind of like that story. That's it's fine. Like yeah, it's for, for the 14-year-old slut in all of us. I have never set foot in there. Oh, my no, God. No, my, my thing is 14, Forever 21, for the 14-year-old slut in everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, check this out. This guy was holding it down. He brought a wagon an amiss array of speakers like none of oh, the I speakers think I saw matched that. Yeah. and he set them <laughs> up right outside the clothing dis- display at Forever 21 and was playing ranking bass music like so loud the drop you could hear from a block away yeah. just yeah. boom I think I caught that one day yeah he's got his metal cart no no not the dude in the cart not the dude not okay. the cart guy this guy yeah. brought oh, his whole system like had to run his wires right, multiple speakers multiple like kind of shit speakers but because he had so many of them together and he wasn't just playing a CD he was there like messing like with his thumbs and like having it happen yeah yeah dude it felt so did, good did to bother the fourteen-year-old sluts <laughs> <laughs> and their dutiful clerks. No, maybe did they come out and say, hey, "Could you move on?" Age range. I don't know. No, no, if it's I'm, as I, much I, of fourteen-year-olds. Like, no, there's I, like for everyone. What it's I'm saying 21 is, twenty-one forever. How dare they call it forever twenty-one? What a dirty name. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I think it's great. Just twenty-one as soon is as just you can a drink. Cr- never get any older. No, it's like this. It's no, like it's technically legal and get her real drunk. And buy your stuff here. Right. Uh, okay. No, My God. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's not a subcontext. It's overt. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> no, to me, that's their marketing slogan. That's not like what I really think what, about it. Why do you think those clothes are slutty? I don't know. I've never been in there. It's just, no, it's just, Yeah, I've it, never been in there. No. Why do you think that like a spaghetti no. dress and like a miniskirt is slutty, though? It's not really and, slutty. Uh, let me ask you a question. And why are you asking that? And why do you feel the need to ask that question? Isn't that self-evident? Idiot. No. No, no, because you're saying con- that it's Wait a slutty. Second. I'm no, just no, saying no, no, it's no. not slutty. It's a little bit slutty for a 14-year-old. No, it's not. No, no. All right, okay. That's the Their parents point. think so. No, the, it's a place where women get to dress where they feel fulfilled I, I'm in into their it. sexual body. Do we have to open body. up the topic of what is a slut? Because <laughs> I don't think that dressing... Exposing, you say that like it's a bad thing. Expo- I don't think it's slutty. I think it's like no, no, I'm, feeling I'm, powerful. I, I think I, it's a place I, where women for a low market cost labor price point yes, right. get to go in and find clothes that make them feel fucking Any, strong and like radiant and like fairies and dragons. Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I know that's true and I'm with you. I just enjoy saying that. In part because I feel like they're pandering to the 11-year-olds who want to pass for 25 and slutty. Yeah, I'm not concerned about uh, the people going into the store. I'm concerned about the store itself. Yeah, that... The people okay. who are selling the concept. Forever 21. Forever store. 21. Old enough to get her drunk and fuck her. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's just the whole cultural phenomenon that there's this focus around being 21. As yes. young as possible, but fully adult. That's the thing. If you're going to call yourself Forever 21, it's like saying... You can take the Wouldn't you just like to be some 48-year-old divorcee who could pass for 14 and slutty? No. I would like to be a 48-year-old divorcee who likes shopping there because you can get really cool things and feel like, you know, breezy and sexy. And it's cheap because the women chained... 
to their desks in Singapore making this stuff go, I want to live in a place like this and have, and have this stuff. Mm. <laughs> now we're getting a bit real. Let's get in. Let's get in. Now well, we're and so, back to why you so didn't his watch dad and, Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, what is... Um, have you ever been able to get a woman drunk and then have sex with her? <laughs> Whoa, I've... Well, I mean, technically, this, I haven't. I'm gonna go had, get I haven't had to, but that's not doesn't mean I haven't had sex with a drunk woman. Yeah. But it wasn't because I got her drunk. Well, yeah, that's just the analogy or like the scenario made me like. No, I'm like, I'm like well, well, because I'm going with his thing, saying it's a little bit unsavory to be pitching this whole thing of legal for both sex and drinking, and let's keep him 21 forever. Oh, I think you guys' angle on it is not what they're Well, I'm doing. just responding to something, and I appreciate your enlightening, deeper, clearly more mature than me attitude. <laughs> I'm, let me put it this way. I only made the reference because I'm saying, and that's what ended up going in where borders went out because they were pushed out of business by Barnes & Noble because they didn't get online fast enough, actually is what happened. I'll go back to this, even though we could talk about Forever 21 forever. Um, when the person <laughs> said that to me... <laughs> Coincidence. Coincidence. Goddamn, I thought we were going to talk about the, the, the weather of the planet well, well, we and are. the subtle energy oh, no, I'm getting that there. It's through Did, all of this. Did I warn so it's you that we can get into any topic? No, it's, that's what I said. Let's get ourselves drunk. Uh, fuck each other and then spread it later on Pacific Avenue I've never been that drunk in my life (laughs) (laughs) have you ever been able to be on LSD look in the mirror and masturbate Whoa! I'm talking about levels of intensity. Have you done that? How much? This guy's done everything. Looking in the mirror, like you have. This guy guy doesn't talk about things he hasn't done, and he's done. When you're tripping, (laughs) do not do not go in the do not go in the bathroom and look in the mirror. No, no. Go. My senior thesis for UCSC began high in LSD, coming back from a Grateful Dead concert at Winterland. Oh, here we go. Well, come to think of it, it's in here. Here we go. Um, Yes. And looking in the mirror and realizing, among other things, when I was done tripping out, and I just looked and go, whoa, I think I'm ready to reemerge and contribute again. <laughs> you know, because the guy who drove my car, because I was way too high to drive across the Bay Bridge to the house in the Oakland Hills, said, you know, you're always interesting, and I'm one of the few people who can actually follow you, but tonight, you're in the back seat and it was all fragmentary yes. and poetic. You were losing. But I, but I was, I was tripping in my own head about what I think about things, and I think it was totally related to what you were saying, disjointedly, poetically, in the backseat of your little VW. And I got to tell you, as interesting as it is when you really talk about stuff, you know, with ornate length and complexity. That was especially powerful because I wasn't really listening to you. I was tripping out in my own head 
But I think the things I was realizing clearly had something to do with what you were saying. Yeah. You got to get into you that. You guys had the constellation of your brain synapses firing. Your inner dialogues were going off. You're in the backseat. He's driving. You're coming back from a Grateful Dead concert. You're going across the bridge. And so it turns out it was a famous your Grateful Dead concert. I think it was the high watermark of the Grateful Dead. You're at the night. high watermark. You're not only on the acid. You're on the high watermark of thousands of people at a band hitting it at the railing level. And, it, and your and was, dialogue and was is integrated with what was going on. We're talking November his. 10th, 1973, quite honestly. The Saturday night of a three-night stand. I never followed the Grateful Dead. They were the hometown band. You're, I never went to all three nights at Winterland, which was a great old ice rink with bleachers. Fantastic. You know, we're, I'm going to see Bob at the at, on the basketball court. There's a basketball gym that's so glad to... I'm so glad you say that because I say that to people. WPA was these work, let's, let's build things, let's do things, let's build a bridge. Let's... That's what that was. It's probably 1939 or something. But the great thing is, maybe when you saw the symphony, it had better sound because I think they've tried to do stuff. But I found when I saw I sat in the front row, I don't even know about did, did you acoustic hit, yeah. I watched the guy with his mallet drumming. I just watched him hold the, the mallet right above it. Were you like, on LSD masturbating? Uh, how was Primus there? Because the sound is so terrible there. I sit in the back bleachers because they're nice and vertical. Primus would be rough in that room. And it sounds best in the back because you're not dealing with crazy echoing My first experience of Primus was from the rooftop because it had sold out and we were trying to sneak in. Oh, that must have sounded great. So we shimmied up the top and then the roof has these like little windows where you're like seeing if you can squeeze through and then like just drop like 20 feet to the top bleacher. And it just sounded Did you? Did you actually it was get like, blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't like the full thing. Well, I, I'm i sitting in the third row in the back because... And uh, with 65 with bucks it's 90. Bob Dylan, that's such a And he's doing deal. entirely his most recent album. He's clearer of voice. He's fucking 81 years old. He's always been weird. In fact, the thing is, I, the last time he played here... He played, it was the only place on tour he played two nights in like about March 2000. In Santa Cruz? In Santa Cruz. The yeah. second night was famously great because he spent the day on the beach, ate at the restaurant. Remember the restaurant Positively Front Street? It was near the wharf. It, it was right near the boardwalk. Yeah. Oh. And it's named for a Bob Dylan song, Positively Fourth Street. Oh, that's okay. And in the yeah. middle of the show, he talks about, I had lunch at the Father. He was in, it's like the night before, it's like, he's so weird, <laughs> I didn't even know what night. he was singing. Yeah. The second night so is famously great, in a really good mood, great mood, in a really good mood, it took a second, great, in a really good mood, we introduced the band and said, I think I speak for all of us when I say, we wish we could play here every night. Every night. What a great town this is. Oh, he spent the day on the beach. And he talked about eating at Positively Front Street. They give you so much food, they got to franchise that place. I think in my box of tapes in my friend's storage locker, I got, I got this on tape, but I wasn't there. So I was visiting my dad in Tahoe. Bob Dylan's cool, but he'd be a lot cooler if he spelt his name with two O's. Boob Dylan? <laughs> Bob Dylan? What are you talking about here? Whoa. So I will, let's go back to this Grateful Dead concert well, okay, where you're in a constellation of words that you have well, just connected all it was, of the It was in fact November 10th, 1973. Cosmos. I was in my senior year at UCSC. It was all coming together. I submitted, I'd submitted an independent major proposal, which you're supposed to do at the end of your second year. What was your major? Well, here's the thing. This is a place that was small, affordable, experimental, 
and famous magazine articles um, when I came here. Hardest public university to get into in the world because you could afford to go to a place that was lit. Some of those interdisciplinary things and student-directed seminars and do your own independent thing, whatever. Things that now every place does. And back then, a handful of very expensive private places were doing. Right. And I started to say, they're building three new campuses. Liberal governor let his liberal friend develop a campus that would... And at the last minute, it was supposed to be in South San Jose. At the you last know why they switched? I talked to a guy, he worked at the theater that was on the commission of why they did it. That's fantastic. It was the air conditioning bill. That's unbelievable that you say that because I've told this story a million times because I heard it from Dean McHenry, the founding chancellor himself, when he came to dinner at the, at the Stevenson College Co-op. I've told the story a million times. You're the first person I've ever met who knew it. And his story he loved telling was, it was between a site they had in the Almaden Valley and this incredibly beautiful old ranch um, that built, and then after the earthquake, rebuilt San Francisco, that was available, but much more expensive. Mm. And the regents, they got an, a non-air-conditioned bus. They were doing the site tour, the two remaining sites. It was yeah. between, they took them to the Almaden Valley site on the hottest day of the year in the middle of August. They made them walk the last quarter mile into the site. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Then they drove them over 17, which, by the way, when I came with the parents on college tours... This is a whole fate of a university decided on temperature. It, That's one detail. Like, how do you as an astrologer manage all these details well, and make an accurate I just prediction look at astrology and then just, trip like, out on moving things. Moving people through. This is why I'll even say both weather... And now they have computer models. How did they know that in eight days there was going to be this? That's wild because it's not only... Pressure systems. Factual air pressure, which is scientific and observable, but they now have developed enough of an understanding that they could program the computer and see it. And similarly, astrology is only the observation of the alignment of the members of our solar system and the apparent consequences for life on this planet, and you can argue among astrologers and debate what it's going to mean. So that I'll still the call. I will still include that under the definition of astrology. But making predictions and giving advice is a use. Astrology is simply the logic, the actual, observable, mathematically predictable, unless something interrupts it that we didn't include in our calculations. Position of the planets, and yes, and the observable consequences, though we can argue amongst ourselves what we think it's going to be. Giving advice and making predictions is taking it a step farther. Good luck. People think that's the definition of astrology, predicting uh, what's going to happen. And I say, you know what? The farthest I go is I can talk about literally what's going to happen and what I think it means for the combination of energies. And I can even talk to you about what that might mean in your particular life. But yeah. my bottom line is Nature is perfect, just always unique. Give in and like go along. And if, and if with looking it, at it and talking about process. some guy who kind of knows a little bit about it can amazingly tell you stuff that turned out to be true, yeah, it's not magic, it's just something I know about that you don't. And I was kind of right, okay. But yeah, the moon's at the low ebb of the seasonal cycle in Sagittarius, and you're thinking all these things, but you can't even move, and you wonder if you ever will. And I tell my housemates, we emerged from our rooms in our bathrobes at noon when I shared a funky house, just, oh my God, I thought I was alone in this house. Yeah, me too. She talks about blah, blah, blah. I can't even whatever. How long have you been living here? 
I've been living in Santa Cruz for 50, coming on 52 <laughs> years. In this house where you're like, oh, no, no, that was a, that was I was old to be living in that house, and I didn't want to be, and I ended up inheriting the lease from my friend. Who do you think is going to be the first one to leave? Me. Uh, Why? I lived with somebody to... for a whole month, and nobody knew that she actually lived in the house, but she was living in the closet, and eventually we were just like, I think there's somebody living in this closet. That's very funny. That's what <laughs> a Santa that? Cruz story that is. <laughs> that was an organ story. That's an organ story. Oh, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> Oregon is just Santa Cruz with more Volkswagens. <laughs> no, there used to be a bumper sticker that says, old Volkswagens never die. They just moved to Oregon. They retire and move to Oregon. Yeah. Um, but- I like this. It's a, the life on Earth is a process that's influenced from the poles of the planet and then outward to as far as we can measure. And these things, you know, and you can then start to feel the grid work of it. And but not you're only not that, but I, I make observations. Because you're just observing. What's I could happening. only get into it because it was the combination of two things I can observe myself and have an already natural understanding. The natural seasonal cycle I'll call the zodiac is. Even though the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and it's the highest point for the day, every day, no matter what the fucking clock says, at noon. Okay, but that arc gets higher, 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 and therefore the daylight hours get longer, moving toward June 20th, about, and then gets lower and lower in the sky. Even the noon sun is lower and lower and lower, and the actual arc is is narrower, so there's more night hours Till you get to about December 20th, which we call winter solstice in the north. And by the way, even if you live in the southern hemisphere, and not too many people do, and by the way, there's not a lot of land there, and I think... I'm going to throw this in. You're never going to get to this point, man. What is this point? I know, okay, of this, like, on, of the whole throw, like, alignment I thing. will throw this in here, and it's related and, and, and virtually unimportant. Yes, okay, I think okay. that... I was fascinated to learn that, no, they didn't think the world was flat and Columbus proved it was round. That's an urban myth. By the time Columbus sailed, they knew it was round. America Vespucci, why are we Americans, not Colombians? Because he's the guy who came later to the coast of South America and says, hey, he's not lying. There's a whole new thing out there. Yeah. And I can show you where it is on the globe I've created that was as accurate as the one we used. They knew the world was round by the time Columbus sailed. But they thought that the land and the best map projection is, I don't know what the name of it is, the one that goes from the west coast of America to the east coast of Asia, that's the way to depict the land of this planet. But they thought it sat on top of the ball. Uh. And if you tried to go from the west coast down all the way to China, like Columbus was proposing, he was proposing to do it just from Spain. He couldn't get a sponsor in Italy. He was Italian. They go, okay, you're fucking crazy. We're not giving you a dime, egotistical, you know, publicity-seeking asshole. Maybe the Queen <laughs> of Spain will do lost. it because she... What? He's, they're telling him, you're going to get lost. No, not only that, they said... But here's the thing. It's like funding your startup to have your explorer yeah. group. And you have to be to have this reputation as the captain. Yeah, that well, can his, really his reputation is this guy's, an, uh, this guy's a crazy asshole. And it was the... Queen of Spain, famously, Queen Isabel hawked her jewelry to Ben. We're, we're declining, or maybe, I don't know what they were in their relationship to being a world power, but it was like, sure, I'd like to get on the news. So I'll give you like, three ships and some money for people. Yeah, That's not that she's much. She's just like going for it. Then. And here's the thing. He left in August of 1492. He landed at what we now call Columbus Day. They changed the calendar, actually. It wasn't even October 12th that year. But How dare they? 
And it's on his birthday, Columbus Day. It's the day he landed. I've got, I'll find when I go through my boxes and share with you guys as a memento of this lovely occasion, um, the excerpt I took, I once read, and I have a copy somewhere in a book, his letter, he was in the Canary Islands, I'm back, and he wrote his report to the King and Queen of Spain. Nice. And it's a beautiful nice. passage. The people I met, the people who live there, all go naked like their mothers bore them, man and woman, and they are, they could beat the shit out of me, but they're just nice. They're very generous. You wouldn't believe it. It's like giving their heart and blah, blah, blah. And they have no religion or sect except they believe very, except they believe that the source of all goodness is in the sky. And the last line of the thing that I typed out and made people copies of, and I'm sure I still have some, is, and they believe very firmly that I, with these men and these ships, came from the sky. Okay, mm. this is in a letter right. that he wrote All on right. February 15th. <laughs> seven, uh, is he, four, he's an asshole. He might just be saying no, that. Oh, no, so no, here, no, no, here's the thing. He Somebody I gave this like... to once told me, yeah, the problem is I know, because I've read that letter, that the next line is, with a few more men, I could make them do whatever I want. Yeah. Because yeah. the point was, yeah. I didn't quite get to the Chinese mainland. He thought he was in Indonesia. That's why he called them Ind- Indians. Right. He was going to China. We don't have to go over land. I'm going to sail off the west coast of Spain. How much do you think that the locals were right, though, that the source of goodness is... Completely. The they're, they're totally right about that. And... I'm going to bring it back to the moon thing and eventually why there's green lines on your chart, by the way. Sure. I'll tell you now, because that's an easy one. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. A chart shows where everything was at that moment. Would I want to... Well, I... No, I he's I just about to do it. How dare you? You lost your chance. How dare you? You did not. I'm just kidding. This is what it feels like to skim along a very shallow but very wide lake. Exactly. Right, right. When you said I got a trivial pursuit relationship, too. like... I was like, the surface of the creek here is the best part. You know, that's like, why I say I like, we I accuse like someone of being superficial yeah, when they the can't, not, can't, not comfortable being deep. Fuck but being superficial deep, just means close to the surface. Yeah. And I have a vast, trivial pursuit relationship to incredible and knowledge. because they're tangential, they are pointing towards what's deep. And someday... Well, how is that? Transcendently no, pointing towards No, every point that we're on is getting to the same truth. A tangent... Every point that we're on is getting to the same truth. A tangent is a straight... Narrate that a bit for the listener, because not okay. everybody listening is going to know that. Or just when you hear it and, you, and, you, and, and it happens. The, right? You know, because we do need I people mean, I listening can and they like... Are, are, I can no. generalize. I can get on my own tangent that's trying to point to the thing that nobody can poke with a stick. Well, just as it's happening in the conversation as a podcast technique, when you see it and you can feel that it's the same bead on a string, the listeners are not it's, with us. It's not, I, a, it's not the same bead on the string. It's I a bead off the same it. string. I want to yes. poke more holes yes. in it so the weave gets a bit tighter and stronger. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm asking about the green lines yes, yes. right now in this Because it's there and you know what it is. ...of June 2022 mm-hmm. is because... We're going through a unique time where there aren't green lines in the sky. Well, for many, thing, many time, mo- usually let me see why they use green. green I got to see what they use. Why they use green lines? Yeah, I was uh, because I'll tell you what it is. Because I know their aspects. And that's know that's all it is. Like, flavors it's that, of aspects. My thing uses blue lines and red lines. I think of the aspects as kind of like the energetic conversation between these astral bodies. Yes, that's all it is. What it's telling you is it's using green. It's bodies. using green to represent opposition. The moon. Those are opposition the, lines. The, well, for one thing, 
I keep thinking just because they're green that they're like the nice. No, I don't use green. I I use green for sextile, blue for conjunctions and trines, and red for different programs. But they don't because what I see here is this is opposition because I can tell the moon. They're far enough. The moon. The moon is in Virgo, and you did this. You didn't. You did this this morning. This is not now. This is now. Oh, it's universal time. I see. You're right. Oh, it's even only into middle of Virgo. I thought it was deeper. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Neptune. Those three... Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this um, Vedic astrology? You know, there's a few, like, tunings in this astrology. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, no I got it wrong. I got it wrong. No, now I see. It, these are houses. This is the signs. Yeah. Yes. But Neptune is in late Pisces. I know that Neptune is in late Pisces, and Mars and Jupiter and Chiron are in Aries, and what they're saying is the moon is halfway around yeah. them. So, so it's they're, almost they're, opposite. They're using green. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're using green oh, for opposition. Man. And okay, so uh, we've, for instance, I would never use green for opposition. Yeah, why are they doing I that? Use, red, I right? use blue for the consonants, the reinforcing consonants of a lined even, conjunct, or a third of the sky apart trine is always in the same element. Each element fires. It, it, the seasonal cycle... Uh, the natural season cycle we go through for the year, the sun's, the sun's angle gets higher and higher, the days get longer, the daylight hours get longer. The sun's angle gets lower and lower, the daylight hours get, get shorter. It's an annual seasonal cycle that's like the sun through the day, getting higher to the highest point, getting lower to the lowest point. So noon is like summer solstice for the day, or summer solstice is like noon for the year. I go, well, that I can follow. Great. Yeah. And in fact, that, because that makes sense to me and I can relate to it, I can trip on what it means to go down to the bottom, to hit bottom and rebound, to be almost at the top, to go over the top. Yeah. Those kinds of things are the kinds of things I say the in the about symphony. the qualities of the seasonal months, which I'll also point out that that cycle of the yearly cycle, we have divided the, that, that cycle into twelfths. So for one thing, I won't wouldn't want That's a, a thirteen. Yeah, because but it's the, also the, that we the, really the do. Traditional signs would no longer work. Well, no, it's not that. It's that. Well, for one thing, at one point, <laughs> over Google News, whoa, astrologers, wake up and fix it. It turns out there's a thirteenth constellation, and it, no, it has nothing to do with that. That's your Google News. <laughs> no, no, just a while ago. For <laughs> what some was re- the character? For some reason, what was it the was. Character? It, it, the character? Like the, the, the um, constellation. No, it's a, it's a particular constellation. I don't remember the name. But they go, it has nothing to do with it. astrologers. Astrology is bullshit be, the, for either two reasons. <laughs> this is be- our company. You're our high fucking astrologer <laughs> interview, dude. You know the bullshit is in the name of the podcast. Wow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm both a, what am I, I'm a badass beatnik bullshitter or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, here's the thing they go astrology is bullshit it's all (laughs) it's all moved off from this and I go no it's that astrology western astrology so called tropical zodiac does not follow the stars Uh, Indian astrology does the Mm. zodiac for so called Vedic astrology Mm. is looking at the pattern of the star energy that never changes yes and it's dividing into those twelfths we and the differences it's like arguing between a pattern of star energy well but but western astrology is not but what is oh well well well, that's an interesting what is it what is that what is is the shapes of it oh so now you're going off on a tangent are we 
I mean, I'm going. You're allowed. It's I'm your going thing. deeper. He's looking. Oh for, yeah. I, I, I think that I, I think that Vedic astrology feel. is deeper. It is I the wanna, deeper level. I want to be able to feel it. In fact, here's what. Here's the thing. I I almost. Is this her and her dog coming back? Um, yeah. This is what I almost said to you, way back when, when they didn't know what anything was except they could see it. Big bright whoa thing. Sometimes it makes us hot. And whatever that thing in the night sometimes is, the moon. We now call it the moon. Everything else was stars. Zillions of stars. Patterns. Patterns you could say, well, this one kind of looks like a bull. This one kind of looks like whatever. Okay, we'll keep track by... They never changed. From your grandfather's grandfather to your grandchildren's graduate. If you were lucky, you noticed that one of them exploded and it's called a nova. Mm. They didn't orbit. They didn't move. They actually do move. But in our lifetimes, they were in the exact same place. This unique random whatever and well we don't know what they are we string yeah. them together give it's them names so we can keep track we're looking up at night but they, they never changed they never moved we, we got the sun whatever the fuck that is and the moon whatever the fuck that is but there's all yeah. these zillions of stars and they didn't have street lights they saw lots of them yeah and they never moved i mean they moved through the year Every night you look at the sky. Oh, the different. sky was different. But in the, which, why is the sky different? We're seeing a different part of it at different times of year. You're right. But the stars in the sky, wow, this one's over here now. No. Uh, From your grandparents' grandparents to your grandchildren's grandchildren, there was no observable movement between the stars, except for five of them. And sometimes they were brighter and sometimes they were dimmer. And it's weird oh, okay. because, and they, and they, they oh, this okay. mystery, mysterious thing of, they would, five. they would slow down and then back up. What's, what is this? They made up stories about what it was and you made up myths and whatever. But here's the thing. Five of those stars were not stars. Five of those stars were planets, observable planets. There's actually three more, but they didn't know that. They couldn't thing. see them. Mercury is so close to the sun, that's why it's been named for the messenger god. It's only sometimes visible and you had to be a clear, oh, I, I know which one is Mercury, okay. But basically, was, now we're down to four. Venus and Mars, Jupiter and Saturn. Moved. What the fuck? They're mm. moving stars. And sometimes they're brighter, because they're closer, and sometimes they're dimmer. And they move, and, so, and they're not regular, not like, oh yeah, you can always know, because no, sometimes they kind of slow down, sometimes they back up, and, uh, and they okay. observed and then argued amongst themselves, especially predictively, what it would mean, because they know, Jupiter is a good example. The Chinese calendar- Do you like to call it heavy power Jupiter, is that? No, that's Pluto, I call that he Pluto. Pluto. Heavy power Pluto, okay. Heavy power Pluto. Now I'll tell you, now I'll tell you why. Because it turns out, okay, first of all, there are nine major planets in our solar system, and Sir Isaac Newton, the first time I ever got, yeah. when I first started following astrology, so 1976, 1975, okay, finished that goddamn senior thesis that I wish I never started and now I'm free of school and parents and I get to capitulate to the muse and pull together the more interesting entertaining literary version of how all this crazy stuff interrelates and that was a you long were gonna time ago. You capitulate to the muse and and it was all going to come together because I'm done with fucking school and you're going to devote all of your intelligence and feeling mm. into no how I had earned the relates. right remember the Grateful Dead poisoned my mind when they were good I was going to give in to the flow of energy in the moment, like I had come to believe was the way to do it. And now that I'm done with school and parents... Did you come to that realization when you were on the, the Golden Bridge or the Golden or the Oakland Bridge? That no, 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 no. I, to tell you the truth, I was late to pot smoking. I was a student body president. 
I was a student body president in junior high school. I was the cool... Your story of coming to the flow of submitting to the universe well, is here's a story the thing. Of it was the Beatles. Excuse me, you want to blame somebody, blame the roll. Beatles. Oh my God. Now here's what it was. I was there, I was there the day John Kennedy was killed. Okay. Well, and th- this is the kind of news I want to... What was going on in the sky at that time? Oh, uh, Saturn had reached the midpoint of Aquarius and Neptune had reached the midpoint of Scorpio. And it was an undeniable alignment and awareness in supposed conflict, they talk about oppositions and squares like they're bad. No, it's a complementary, different elements, and a complementary building, oh, energized tension. A bow back. And people, so I say, no, warn energized people, tension. warn people. It can be unnerving when the energy is building, it can be overwhelming when the energy is releasing, but it's part of the ebb and flow of life, and we need it. Do not say trampoline park. oppositions and squares are the bad aspects, and Saturn is disciplining and restrictive, and Mercury retrograde, don't do anything, hide. That's all bullshit. No, they're just warn people, ebb and warn flow. people ways about the difficulties it can it can bring, and the ways you can fuck up. Because instead of giving in, you try to overcome it, and then it goes bad anyway. And whose fucking fault is it that? It takes a bit of surrender. The too. shaky you thing. You learn to surrender right. from the Grateful Dead, but really from the Beatles I learned yeah, when John really. F. Kennedy was dead. Yes. That's okay. It. okay, here's the okay. thing. Okay, well, so listen. First of all, this is time to make the point. You gotta make those beads go deep because the listener ain't gonna know. No, here's if the you thing. know it, you better shout it. You already know it. I can't compete. Tan- there's no. There's I don't this know it. Game. I'm just narrating what I'm hearing. Listen, I, I admit I'm going, going off deep. on all this stuff. You asked for it. You're getting all of it. Because here's, a, here's an important point to make a tangent is a line that veers off from a circle. Fuck yeah, do we know what the and green line and, is? And there's infinite tangents to any circle, but so you can, you you can these sail off. are lines within a circle. From one yes, point on a circle to another. Th- that's true, but what I'm circle. saying is yo, I yo, may be going yo. off on tangents and dangerously and rudely because, wait a minute, you are not. You never did say the thing I answered the question I asked you. You went off on some new thing that, while interesting, is a tangent. So I'm just accepting responsibility for that while making the point tangents are not random new things because they veer off from the thing you started with. And if you go back, I also like pointing out that radical, the term radical, yeah. does not mean revolutionary, though it certainly can be. In math, when they teach you square roots, it's radical 25 is five. Well, I don't know why you say radical, that weird little symbol. Yeah. That, it's almost like the Capricorn like symbol in a weird sort of a way. I don't know why either one is that way, but it's the because the three-dimensional heart of 25 is five. The thing that you multiply by itself becomes three-dimensional. Five times five is 25. The three-dimensional heart of 25 is five. It's five. Square. Yes. Cool, the, the square root of 25 is five. What is a three-dimensional heart? The, the three-dimensional... <clears throat> a square root is in a sense, and I'm making this up, is the, is the three-dimensional heart of a number. If you can find the square root of a number, it's the number that if you multiplied it by itself yeah. would make this other number. Yes. So a good example oh, is okay. the square root, you have this weird symbol that they call radical 25. What's the answer? Oh, I, that one I know, five, because it's easy. If it was hard, I'd say, can I go now? I want to go listen to something that interests me. But radical 25, the answer is because the square root, the center, the, the geometric in a weird sort of a way, if they had explained yeah. that, that algebra can be seen as geometry, I was one of those people who geometry worked for me, algebra was a nightmare I had to memorize in time for the test. 
Because when I said, well, Geometry. explain this to me, Hicks, I would say to the girls I was studying with, I don't understand this. Understand it? We don't even know why we're learning this. Just memorize it, do well on the quiz, and we'll all study together for midterms later because we'll have forgotten all of this because it's all a fucking nightmare. Do they have nice outfits? I want to... Yes, Jill, Jill Jacobs and Karen Krasny. I want to tie yeah. us I never, to I the didn't. ancient people who yes, are okay. at the sky. Thank you. Looking for patterns, looking yes. for shapes, no, no, looking no. for resonance. No, no, no. They only noticed that... When modern-day astrologers, we're looking at the chart where we can... On the chart, we can see a huge chunk of the stars and the planets... No, but we're not looking... on the other side... Of the Earth at night, we don't well, even see because them in it's the night sky. Because it is predictable. But oh, the, it's totally predictable. But the thing is, but the ancient yeah. peoples didn't see them. No, and here, well, maybe they had some idea that no, they no, were no, there. No, 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 no. That's not true. On the contrary, that's one of the few things they did see. That's why I say astrology was the first science because astrology was the first thing that they could observe and notice and write down, or just some of them knew and could talk amongst themselves that there were actual predictable patterns. We can't even see it anymore, but we know. When it's coming on, although this is odd. I had the feeling that stars are what taught people math. When you look out at the well, stars planets, at night, it's yeah, like if there was going to be a thing in nature that would yes. draw and it was, thinking, would draw like and it was so complicated. It was a bit. It would be the pattern of the mind fuck of the stars. No, but here's the thing: it's not. Even when people talk about astrology, oh, it's about the stars. You know, it's, oh, it's it's all in the stars. Ironically, the astrology we do here in the West, and actually that Indian astrology is just using the fixed pattern of the star energy, whereas you were using a pattern that shifts every 26 years, 26,000 years, because our tilted planet also wobbles like a top. Yeah. And the whole seasonal cycle that I'm defining by the solstices and equinoxes, and we named it with the 12 sections, which I'll call it this way, because I say that even if you live in Australia, I started to say, and I'm going to throw this in, the Columbus thing was just to say, no, no, no. It's not that they thought the world was flat and he proved it was round. They actually thought it was round and knew about how big, but they thought that the land sits on top and you are... This is a good point to just tie this one together. They thought, I'm going to sail from Spain to China. No, you're not. Do you know how far it is? And besides, we're pretty sure you either drip off the bottom or get swallowed by dragons. They probably did believe that. But they thought that the landmass from the California coast to the Chinese coast sat on the top of the ball where gravity keeps you okay and you are not going all the way down to the bottom and all the way up to the... Do you know how far it is? Because we do, crazy motherfucker guy who's a con man. No, there's a reason why no one's back in this voyage because we know how far it is. But the crazy thing is he left in August... He landed in, actually, the Caribbean. How far it is to the bottom of the Earth? Well, no, they even knew how long, how, no, how far to China. They uh, knew if you could leave from Spain, Barcelona, Spain, I've been to the place, there's a nice statue of him, where he sailed out of, and then go west. I'm going to go west all the way around the globe, and I'm going to sail to China. Said, no, you got to go. You got to trade route. We all do it, but you got to walk there. It's far. And it's our trade route. I'm going to sail there. It's going to be a better way to do it. Dude. You got to be a star. What? You got to be a star? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Christopher Columbus died. He came three times. He died thinking, I've been to China three times, but nobody believes me. It's really sad. 
because wow. he wow. left in August. Wow. He landed in the Caribbean. He died believing his own lie. He, he, no, he just was wrong. He wasn't lying. He was just wrong. But here's how the thing. How many of us don't die believing our own lies? Like, how many people die? Because when you die, that's when everything would be revealed. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, like oh, it yeah, turns yeah, out yeah. you've been you an asshole. Like, you're right. Your yeah, so uh-huh. you're like, oh, no. There's a reason. Oh, no. we, we, the way we rig the game it's is... it's so painful. We make ourselves forget to be human. No, no, no but they like say... What they say so is, bad. it's part of how it works. You really are a being that's lived before. But to really get meaning and effect out of the experience of this life, you're going to have amnesia. You're going to wake up with no memory of ever having been anyone and been anywhere, so you can, ha- so that your soul, the soul being you really are, this is what they say, um, has a fresh experience. Has to go to Grateful Dead, get corrupted by John Lennon to learn to just go with well, the flow. Well, it was all a blessed, blessing back then. I got anyway. lucky. I got both the Beatles and the Dead when they were good and healthy, and so. Did you think you integrated actually with the life force of those bands? No, I, I think know. I already was, and they affirmed and reinforced it. Here's the thing. All right. You already were what? You I mean, already integrated with the life force with Alicia Keys? Whoa. I'm integrated with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. They went to my high school. What? Yeah, they came out of Fairfax High School. I was student body president. They were just after Which me. Which high school? Fairfax High you were, School. You were, you were president of student body president of Fairfax High School? Yes. That's dope. Not only that, but they made me do it when I had retreated. I'd been student body president of John Burroughs Junior High School during the... I'm post, out of politics! The, the, post, the post-Kennedy Beatles years, and I was the cool student body president. You're going to be president someday, and I'm going to be able to say I knew you. And I go, that seems like too rigid a schedule and too much paperwork. But, so I retreated. I re-emerged as a generational spokesman in the late 60s. You used to be somebody. I'm still somebody. I'm just not into that stuff anymore. And then I became like a media figure. You know, wow, you, you represent us well. And the, and the parents, these happen to go, well, this is in high school? This is in high school in the late 60s, mind okay. you. Then I re-emerged as a spokesman. And they made me be student body president. And I go... Okay, that was great. I'm going to Santa Cruz where I can cultivate myself. And if, if the world is still here in four years, I'll, I'll see if I can make a contribution. That was a long time ago. And, I'm, and I am. I'm re-emerging from my third wave now. I just had a big meeting about it, which I won't even get into like a tangent. But it was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, but This is a, another tangent. We're sitting here with a school captain. This gentleman here, DJ I was, I was the school captain. What does that mean exactly? It was a made-up position. Well, so is student body president. In my yeah, sp- but he made up his own position. Oh, excellent. He That's just the way to do flyers it. and was like, I'm going to captain this ship. That's excellent. <laughs> he still had the whole school show up for the vote. There was at That's least somebody great. running against me. That's really great. They actually tried to take it from me. The, the principal thought I was a traitor. I thought you were, and now you're siding with the whatever. <laughs> and they found some bogus reason to claim... It's like the Trump thing. They tried to claim that the that the that the election was fraudulent because he didn't how, how trust did, me to be a student body president at that how point. Did the death of Kennedy oh. affect your transformation oh, to flow that's fan- with the universe. That's fantastic because here's what it was. By 1960, in fact, by 1968, we did not have primary elections with committed delegates will decide the nominees for the parties. That was a reform that started in 1972 because the Democrats were really pissed off what happened in 1968, where we had two peace candidates. We ended up with Lyndon Johnson's sellout VP. I'm not running. 
You forced me out. But my stooge, Hubert Humphrey, will represent me. We ended up with him and they lost to Nixon. We were arguing between two peace candidates. The original one, Gene McCarthy, that's who I was for. And Bobby fucking Kennedy, who wouldn't run. And then once Gene McCarthy proved that, J that Johnson was vulnerable, he gets in. Why don't you just fucking bring your charisma and movement behind Gene McCarthy? We ended up with the sellout VP that nobody voted for as the nominee. And Nixon, how did, who, how did, who pried his crypt open to let him out. We thought he was gone a long time ago, but he's been working behind the scenes like Trump is now. I think Donald Trump is going to be, believe it or not, I think Donald Trump is going to be president. And this is going to blow people's minds. Okay, but anyway, but I, but I digress. Okay, the answer to your question is, I come from real liberals who didn't trust the Kennedys. And they were right. My mom, I'm named Stephen, and I went to the only college named for the guy I'm named for, Adlai Stevenson. He was the two-term mm -hmm. governor of Illinois, so it wasn't like he was just some mouth-off uh, senator, which they all tend to be now. He had executive experience. The term egghead, he had a big bald head. They call, oh, somebody just thinks too much. Like when my mom said, okay, I guess Obama's got the nomination, but I'm afraid he can't get elected because he's black. I go, she should be afraid he can't get elected because he's white, because he's like your effete hero, Adlai Stevenson, the intellectual, accused of being an egghead who doesn't know, and they, they elected Eisenhower. He's the last Democrat who got to run a second time. It used to be your best guy runs, and if he loses, you try him next time. Now it's like, they disappear. All these Democratic candidates, when they lose, you never hear, if this was the best guy you could run, how come he disappeared and nobody misses him? Think about that. But anyway, in 52, they went to Eisenhower. Five star. Today is the anniversary of D-Day, the, um, the, the Normandy Beach invasion of France. Yeah. Listen, man, the Russians, as Putin will be oh. glad to explain to you, the Russians beat the Nazis. America didn't even fucking land watched, a man. I almost watched a D-Day video today. I didn't yeah? know that at all. America didn't you even... almost watched a D-Day video America didn't no, put no. one fucking soldier... What? What was that? Wow. He has this cell phone video game called about 1945. World War II. Was He's born. like, why is the name of my video game 1945? I had to, so I had to explain to him about World War II and how there was you know, like aircraft shooting at each other. And well, so we pulled up some videos on YouTube and they were showing me D-Day. And D-Day was in 44, I guess, but America did not even join, put a single soldier into Europe till uh, June 6, 1944, when they hit the beaches, made a big sacrifice, a lot of them died. That's all really great. But it was the Russians who beat the Nazis. We only went in when the Russians, who were being starved and frozen by the Nazis, drove them all the way back into Europe, and then America landed on the beach to move on to Paris and... Pass out, pass out chocolates and forces that his son knows about D Day without knowing about it on the anniversary. Like, what of is the unimaginable? Wow. Like, did, no, didn't you say it because it was some stars. some video it game? Was, I mean, it was a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a coincidence designed by somebody's. Hey, little kid, do you know about the Grateful Dead? Yeah, well, it's gonna be. I mean, I went I'm gonna to, make you ask about it. I went to it. YouTube and I was looking up World War II videos today without any knowledge whatsoever that we were having sort of a special anniversary of one of the key features of World War II. We, I, I don't it, want to end this podcast without knowing how the invisible forces of the universe permeate into us and our being, and then how people studied this. Okay. And how then you Great. learned about so it. Great. So let me, I'll go back to that and then I'll tie up a few loose ends. How about Be beautiful. that? Beautiful. Beautiful. Astrology is the observation 
of how the solar system appeared in our sky at any particular moment. And yes, they draw in some lines to put up the aspects, the angles. Yeah, that and, helps to show. And, that, and, and they, that, that thing uses green, which I would never do. I use, uh, I use blue for conjunctions, alignments, and, or third apart, still in the same element reinforcing. I use red for opposition or right angle square. And I use green for sextile, which is a little of both. It's half a trine. It's a harmony between normally opposite elements. That's just me. That's, okay. I, I program my program to at least use that. And I don't even print out charts. What do you mean by elements? Like just the, the elements the are... No, no. Um, the elements are... The, the seasonal cycle, as I call it, is an annual cycle. We know, we know the cycle of days get longer, days get shorter. It's like over the year. The daylight hours, when we call it days, I mean there's 24 hours in every day. I mean the daylight hours. The sun gets higher in the sky... The sun gets lower in the sky through the year. A natural seasonal cycle of heating up and cooling down, giving off moisture, drying out. The four elements of fire signs, the passion of expression. Opposite that, air signs, the space in which we're aware and mental. Water signs, the liquidity of emotional sensitivity. Earth signs, the dried out solid concrete material stuff of nature. And each mm. element occurs three times. Begins one season, traditionally called cardinal. Nobody knows what that means. First signs of elemental trinities <laughs> or seasons introduce it, leading it forward. A third of the way around, the middle month of the next season is the concentrated peak of what that element is about. And here's what I have to insert, like a Surgeon General's warning. Even if you live in Australia, where the actual seasons, the longer days, shorter days, comes reverse... In my observation, this natural seasonal cycle, we call the zodiac because we keep track of it by the stars. It was lined up with 2,000 years ago, but it slowly shifts as our planet wobbles. Mm -hmm. I'll even throw in here the so-called age, age of Aquarius. You know, there's not a big hit Broadway songs. This is the completion of the age of Pisces, mm -hmm. but it is because the age is said to be Wherever the sun is at the spring equinox against the stars, star constellations, it defines the age. So we've been, and it's a backwards, what we think of as backwards. The spring equinox point has been backing through the twelfths of the stars, of the sky defined by the stars. It's been backing through Pisces, why Jesus, whatever he was as an actual being or relationship to God or whatever, was the avatar, the godly example of the Piscean age, which we've been in for the last 2,000 years, where I'll even say in your astrology chart, what's coming over the eastern horizon called your rising sign, where the sun rises in the morning, but you might be born at 3.36 in the afternoon like me, but whatever's emerging over the eastern horizon is said to be your rising sign. I'll even say this to get back to something you talked about. Sun. It turns out it's a glowing star. Radiant source of physical vitality. Keyword, soul. We have one moon that goes around us reflecting the sun 12 and some extra times a year coming out in our inner sensitivity, keyword heart, and then we live on what is actually was very confusing for hundreds of years, thousands of years, the zigzag. What's going on? These things that are going around us, it's because they're not going around us. They're going around the sun, but we are watching their relative where they are We've noticed, we've noticed, that makes it scientific. We, some of us have noticed that, for instance, Jupiter, 12-year cycle, 
it's big, we, we happen to know now, it's big, gaseous, expansive, and a 12-year cycle. We've also observed that Saturn, similarly big and gaseous, although on a 30-year cycle, Jupiter seems to spread out, expand, is expansive, and it's associated with generous, creative, literally, not artistic, literally creative energy. Saturn winds into the center, seems to be about reinforcement from the center. And though we actually live on the third planet out, it appears that there's a relatively inner set that is quick. Expressive Mars, though it's actually behind us. Expressive Mars, receptive Venus, and pivotal electric mental Mercury. The outer planets, some of which take hundreds of years, are basically the deep octave, you like that musical reference, yeah. the deep octave of the same thing. Pluto, 248-year cycle Pluto, is the deep, mature, long-term level of expression, why I call it heavy power. Neptune, oh, okay. the deep, outer, receptive planet on a 164-year cycle, it's basically the deep octave of Venus, the deep, feminine, no, don't kill me, um, receptive planet, planet of dreams, deep feeling dreams, and Uranus, the deep, the middle, pivotal electric planet, the deep level of mind. Mercury, quick spark of childlike mind. Uranus, the revolutionary lightning strike takes a long time to charge up, but when it strikes, it's like makes revolutionary changes. The deep level of mind. And in this, and this is just out of observation, and I claim I think this works, and a lot of it is because I could only get into it. Not I read books, but it's like, I could only get into it. I get the seasonal cycle and counterbalancing planet energies. And I, I, I am persuaded that there's a pattern of interrelationship, even though we're the third planet out and Mars is further out than us, that in this pattern of interrelationship, we are the middle planet of the middle set, essentially between expansive, the father planet Jupiter and the mother planet Saturn. And we are at the balance point. We have a tilted thing that gives us a seasonal pattern. We've got one moon that's the exact same disk size. It's a pretty freaky thing if you think about it because any variance, a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, a little bit closer, a little bit farther, you wouldn't have those exact total eclipses. So Mars is the like transient planet we're dancing with energetically where it's physically outside of us, but energetically it's closer to the well, well, no, it's just that there's a, there seems to be a three-note chord in yeah. the sense. There's three levels. Like three, it, there's three octaves of a chord. And actually... There's something, too, that we're in the middle. In their energetic relationship, there's a relationship between expressive Mars, planet of action, receptive um, Venus, planet of beauty, and pivotal electric Mercury, planet of mind. And they're like the relatively... In, leave us out of it, is kind of what I'm saying. Leave us out of it, and there's Mars, Venus, and Mercury. You've become convinced of this looking at larger cultural waves. Yes, to some extent, and even just in, in daily life. And then, the, especially the larger cultural waves are very much the outer planets. Because they, And here's a good example. So we are the middle... In this pattern of interrelationship, we are the middle planet at the balance point to hold a water atmosphere, mm. grow life within it, and sit by the side of Fall Creek talking about crazy shit. Uh, what, whatever else is Axel. figured in. And I'll actually... Avatar. I'll actually throw in something else that's a tying up a loose end. 
There's an episode of Ancient Aliens, which is a great thing about, it really does seem like life elsewhere and its, and its involvement in the history of our planet and evidence of it, tangible stuff. But there was a great episode on the moon and I remembered that one of the six times they went to the moon, they had to hold our interest. Here's a, let's inter interject some, some trivial pursuit level entertainment. How many golf balls are there on the moon? Huh. I'm the first person you know who More than zero. <laughs> oh, it might not be. It might be a trick question. It could be more. It could be a trick question. Okay. I had a guy tell me recently the answer, and it blew my mind. He told me why it's actually an easy answer, and I never knew this. But the, I'm the first person you know who ever played Trivial Pursuit, because my sister's then-boyfriend was a rock journalist who came down from Canada with this new board game that hadn't been in America yet. And they said, oh, good. They're going to treat me like a trained monkey. Your parents are out of town. You're in L.A. Great. Let's all go over to your house, and we're going to play this game. You're and the first person to play Trivial Pursuit. It was given to you by a rock journalist. By, by who came down from Canada with the game before it came out in America. And my friend said, oh, great. We're going to have fun. You're going to entertain us because you know all sorts of crazy shit. And Kim and Gary and Larry and whoever and whoever. It was like about six of us. My sister and me. I thought you remember all their names. These are my friends. Uh, you remember some stuff. This is a, yeah. People always say, you have such a credible memory. No, I remember what I remember, like you. I just remember weird shit. But here's the thing. Um, the game is even, you get this plastic little pie with six sections for the different categories. You get in and get the special thing. And these days, I get a, a, a box of cards from the, thrift store, the Abbott's thrift store, and I sit at the, at the White Raven and say, let's just ask each other questions. But back then, not only did you have to get in the right thing and accumulate the six different colored yeah, pieces yeah. for the six different categories, and then you got to get into the middle thing, and then for you, you got to get two things in the center before we each get one to win. That's my handicap. And then you don't just pick a card. We're going to pick a card. We're going to decide what question to ask you. So I did get my two pieces into the center before they got one. I'm saying it's 12. 12 golf balls. That's a good that's a good unrealistic guess. But okay. Right. Two, two, every time. You've been to they're the going to let an astronaut hit 12 golf balls yeah, on the they've moon? They've been to the moon six times. All right. Every time they're going to not hit just one. Oh, each they're one gonna is going to hit a couple of golf yeah, balls. They're going to hit oh, twice each time. Okay. Good guess, not true. Here's, you know, here's how, that, that, but they, you, you justified your guess. So I, I respect that. But they didn't have a competition. We're going to have a tournament. It, they did have to hold our interest, by the way. We got to the moon. Next subject. Wait, 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 wait. We're going... Anyway, they're still, they're still trying to go back because... Okay. But here's the thing. You believe the moon landing's real? Yes, I do. Okay. But, here's, but I'm going to add something to it. So here's the thing. So they, I get my two pieces in before they got one in. They huddle with each other in my mom's living room. They I decide, love these they decide to high LA stories, dude. What's that? Was your sister cool? She's dating a rock journalist. Like she's semi cool. My sister is, is great. I love my sister. She's. She take you to concerts? No, no. I took her to concerts. I'm only three years older than her, but oh, you were the. She, she was, was into the monkeys sister. and John Denver. I was into the Beatles and Bob Dylan. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Um, she missed it, just barely. And she no, she's cool. She's cool enough. Right, she's, right. she's totally cool. She's right. cool enough. I love her. She's great. She it was the wave me. that she was on, though, because that was three years yeah, That's later. exactly. It was, that it was, was, it was a wave. wave. That's exactly. Happened. That was the like, wave. When I went to my 10-year high school reunion, yeah. one of them was somebody I knew was the New York Times congressional correspondent. I see her on Meet the Press, 
And she put out a questionnaire for us saying... She went to high school with you? Yeah. Okay. Seth Suraski, I guess it is. She put out a questionnaire she wanted us to fill out. I think that our unique generation, our older brothers and sisters, and our younger brothers and sisters could be a totally different generation. Right. I've noticed, I'm trying to pitch the Times. She was a congressional correspondent. I'm trying to pitch this, the Times on this article. I want to write that we are a really unique slice. Exactly. What, what year did you graduate? 1970. Like L.A. staggered its school wow, year. I was the last. I graduated at the end of January, had the whole spring off, and then came here in the autumn. Oh, and it was yeah. a pretty heavy year, by the way, 1970. At your reunion, did you yeah. hook up with anybody? No, I had a girlfriend by then. And yeah. now we're dear friends, and i involved with her family in New York. And I help her husband. And you seem like you were, like, kind of popular, like, joke. I was guy. in a way. But, but I had issues. No, I was popular, but I didn't want to be the beloved brother of the cool girls I had crush on. And then I had a girlfriend. Okay, never mind. You're cool. I'll be your girlfriend. Through, like, from... Graduating high school to here, I got her up here and stuff, and then we split up. Just I knew I had to break up with you. You were finally becoming what I always thought you could be, and I was just becoming a bitch. Yeah, I know. She fulfilled you. She was able to transform you well, into the man that no, you could be. No, she didn't really. She's the one who took me to the Grateful Dead. The fact is, I go. Oh, I was wondering how for, she was connected. No, for to years the I go. Dead. I don't know what you see in this band, you know. And then when Working Man's Dead and American Beauty come out, and I go. This sounds like watered. This sounds like off-key Crosby, Stills and Nash wannabe. Yeah, it's like know, folk music. I don't know it's what like you see in this band. Folk she, music. But she would come back. She would like lie to her parents. I'm sleeping at Amy's. She, would, she and Amy were like hitchhiking. <laughs> Amy, who like hitchhiked to Woodstock, we helped her pack. She, uh, no, yeah, said, you helped Amy pack. We helped to Amy go to Woodstock. Um, but she said, told her parents she's sleeping at Amy's, and they were hitchhiking to some club in Pasadena to see some band from San Francisco. And I would go. You lost one of your custom-made sandals and you don't even care? What kind of band is this? Oh, okay. man. So then... This and then whole day started with somebody losing a crock. I, I was like... Yeah, I was like... There you go. I was like um, at summer camp, uh, becoming a camp counselor at the cool summer camp I went to. And she's writing me, the dead are always incredible. But this time they were so incredible. This is like summer of 69, maybe, or 70. I don't know. Yeah. But I... So then in 70, they returned to their folk roots, come up with a couple of vaguely commercial albums, and I go... I am into Neil Young and the Beatles, and this just sounds like bad to me. Yeah. So I only went... In fact, this ties in with the Dylan thing. I missed Dylan the last time I was at the Civic, and that famous second night that was so cool, I'm sorry I missed it. My friend Scott Cooper, musician, he has... The band I went to the Redwood Mountain Fair yesterday and go, I, I don't like this band anymore. I know this is the hot guitar player I just don't like. He's too blazing to whatever. I like your alternate band, Scott. I like your other guitar player. Yeah, that's more my band. Yeah, I know. I'll go see them. But... I like the sound of it from a few miles away. Yes. The China Cats, I don't... Exactly. And I go, I went there early because your band is playing. And I go, I, tell, I had to tell his wife, I, I just can't get into this. I Wait, don't like why that. did your girlfriend think that you became the man that you were always Well, because at that be. point, I was... Because I finally took acid. Listen, I didn't take... I didn't smoke This pot. girl was not a good influence. No, no. She was a great influence. But she was ahead of me. She was beautiful and cool. And I finally got her, even though... Did she have armpit hair? Back then, maybe. But this is, you were talking 1968, you know. So it was still... No, like... actually, she probably didn't then. And when, no, she was great, and I love her. She's too thin now, and... But she also only went with me because her cool boyfriend family moved in the, with the Peace Corps to Saipan or something, and I was now back to Next being student to body president. In fact, when they, when they pulled the election from me and decided we have to have it over... Yeah. And I recently connected with that guy. That guy is in his 90s, the, school, the, the president, the, the principal. principal. 
And I finally found him. I, you know, I'm going to, when he dies, if he dies and I haven't, and he lives in Carmel. You found your old And I did. I saw, I tracked him down and I said, you know, and I think he got it. And I said, you know what? He settled the score, He was like a, he was like a famous, um, he was like a famous, um, Tunney, and everyone's most shows up. He was like a, he was like a famous, but I wrote him and I said, I said, I a principal, a principal who's an NFL referee. He was then yeah, the premier NFL, NFL referee. NFL I think referee for Super Bowl. Told me, told me, told me. Oh, told me. Oh, 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 oh. Phil Spector. I like to tell people. Phil Spector. Okay, okay. You know who Phil Spector was? Oh yeah. Phil Spector and I were both the wall of sound. That's right. I say Phil. Okay, mom. Here's the thing. You can question. Well, when are you ever going to do what you? Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, mom. Phil Spector and I were both named most likely to succeed from Fairfax High School, but only one of us is on death row. Who do you want to envy? And only one of us is on beatniks, bum trips, and bullshit. That's absolutely true. And by the way, as I told the people, okay, do you know what Dientes is? The low-cost dental clinic? Yeah. That's actually really great. And mm -hmm. I go, and they are really great. And years ago, this sweet, cute Persian woman who I met at Western Dental when she was there, and she was my favorite dentist. And then she moved over there. She's now running the thing. She just was appointed vice president, uh, assistant to the CEO of Dientes. Steven, you should have a Persian girlfriend now. Are you seeing somebody? Uh, no, I've been in love with this woman who's not interested for 22 years. That That's romantic and dramatic. But is that the one playing the piano? Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Saw Consult me with that table. Consult the stars. No, and I think she may. I think she may. I think we may end up here together. When she's and around. I'm, no, I know. Oh, 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 yeah, the Persian dentist. Yes. No, she and her. And she got married. She had a son. He's got long hair. She said, "Oh, show me. Oh, look, he's got long hair. He doesn't want to cut his hair. That's great. You raised a hippie." But uh, no, <laughs> I don't know if it works out with me. And but when did you see us at the table? Oh. Oh, oh, yes, exactly. It was yeah. the first time I've seen her in a couple of years. Oh, and the first time wow. I've talked and you to her that too. since Christmas. That's an right. Interesting conversation. That's exactly right. What were they talking about? They were talking about and cause I, of death. Oh. Wait, you heard our conversation? You, yeah, you couldn't nail it down to one specific thing. It's cause not, of death? Yeah. Or maybe you could nail it Wait, down oh, to who's one specific thing. Wait a minute. Yes. The, the woman I garden for her husband. I was talking about why he died. Yeah. Something like that. That's great. I forgot that you were there that day because. I had a love at first sight thing with her 22 years ago mm. on the spring equinox. And as soon yes, as I talked to her, immediately, yes. this woman is too damaged, too distracted by her damagedness to ever be a comfortable, loving partner for me. Aren't we all? And though, she's too, too distracted by her damage. And she's too That's what we all are. And now, Have now you ever been, met a woman who is not too distracted well, by her own the damage? more damaged, the more beautiful. The more she is damaged, really beautiful. The more and this is not always across. When, the board, when, when she, I, she would come to the Raven and uh, when she had to drop off her granddaughter to the dad on Fridays, play piano in front of the Raven. I'd take her next door to the Chinese restaurant when it was there. And one time, I'm not getting into those stupid, bullshit, arrogant, nasty, the, the, the patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. Look, man, you can get in my face about anything I do, but don't start lumping me, within, with, lumping me in with your overbearing, abusive boyfriend that I was nice to and he was an asshole. Get in my face about anything I do. Don't say you, all you men, fuck you, bitch. 
And by the way, I don't say that, but she says, don't I'm a play bit that sexist game with me. By the yeah. way, I don't say that, but I just said that. No, no, right. I said to you, but I said, but she said, I'm a bitch, but I'm a good bitch, like in The Wizard of Oz, The Good Witch. And I say, there's no such thing as a good bitch. Either you're like being her. unfairly accused of, unfairly accused of being a bitch. Or glasses? No, no, I'm looking for my phone. I will show you oh. a picture of her. Anyway, I will let when we're done. But I know I put my phone down here somewhere and I shouldn't leave without it. Um, route around to the Sex Pistols story, by the way. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a good way of putting it too. The Sex Pistols story. That's a great title for the story. <laughs> it probably shouldn't that, be that, called that. that. That's not, no, it is because it's not even. I, that's not even the punchline. Yeah. That, that probably is the punchline. That is the punchline. Okay, so here's the thing. First of all, astrology was the first science because they didn't know what it was. That's astronomy. This is a fucking great podcast. It's all cycles. It's like complete just Dude, cycles. I like, used to say... I feel like the ancient people watching the sky and we've gone through like yes, four we generations. Of, we got three of them now. Four generations of like <laughs> yeah. seeing the sky pass, seeing you think you get a pattern of it and you're starting to see how it's... But you're not very scientific about how it How it yet. pulls on you, you and you're like, ah, I think it's down. this. And then it starts to like drift through the human condition and you start to build upon that like reoccurring Here's theme. the crazy thing about this conversation I'm legitimately having with you. I was taken to lunch by the director and assistant director of the of Dientes, the entire organization. Did mm. he take you to Chinese food and call you a bitch? No, they took me to she, the two women. Two beautiful women. Beautiful women. They called you a little and bitch. And they, they, they took me <laughs> to this great restaurant in Scottsdale and go, I can't go into Santa Cruz. It freaks me out. I should just go to Scotts Valley when I need. And and we're getting a we're getting a target. What freaks you out about Santa Cruz? We're getting a target up in Scotts You don't know that the Kmart is in. Oh man! No, oh, because when because when they they tried to build one next to the hard Oh, stop. And that's when they took over the Godshots. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I love that these stories are our constellations. Yes. Astrology. 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 Here's a loose end to tie up. Why aren't you joining the movement to stop Borders? Well, for one thing, Borders is a great... Borders is a great bookstore. They were a college bookstore from two brothers. They're a great thing. They're much nicer. I've been here longer than the people who own Bookshop Santa Cruz. They're arrogant people who <laughs> deserve some competition. Bookshop Santa Cruz is a little bit of dicks. They're yeah, like here's a the thing. little I bit go, snooty. I go, here's the thing. And they've gotten better ever since they got a little bit of competition. But here, what I said is, first of all, I've been going to Bookshop Santa Cruz longer than the people who own it. Do you think I'm supposed to protect? They're the ones who ruined Bookshop Santa Cruz. There's a really cool place with a fucking water bed in the middle of it. <laughs> Bookshop Santa Cruz used to have a water bed? You bet. And what? Whoa, these whoa, whoa. Back up. Tell us about that. The, Did you ever Santa read a book Cruz, on the water Santa bed? Santa Cruz was a, con- was a really provincially conservative town where only Republicans held office. They weren't angry. They weren't right-wing. They probably still thought Eisenhower was president. There's a two-lane road to Santa... Um, when I first came to Santa Cruz in the summer of 1969 on college tour, you had to veer off from Salinas on a two-lane rural road to get to this little retirement town, ex-fishing logging town, but now it's a retirement town. But now it's logging town, but now it's logging town, but now it's logging town. You were off that two-lane road. Okay. And... There is a, there's a ribbon across Pacific Avenue because they're about to open the new landscape Pacific Garden Mall. Santa Cruz is supposed to be torn down. 
after the earthquake, and you were alive for that, just you probably remember the earthquake. Yeah. You were like four, five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I used to, you live live above Mission Street in that house, that funky house with the whatever. And and Rena says, "Oh my God, I thought I was all alone. I'm just getting out of bed, at, leaving my room at twelve o'clock." And you are too, yes, because the moon's in Sagittarius. It's when the moon is at the low yeah. ebb of the seasonal cycle. That's just a, an energy dynamic I follow, and I'm making no predictions here. But tonight while we're sleeping, it's going to hit the low point where the sun is at winter solstice. It's the grounded realism and earthy rebounding constructiveness of Capricorn. I think it might be different. I think that might be one of those shifts. When it's at the low ebb, it's like there's no bottom and I can't get up. Uh-huh. That's today, Rena. She was a Sagittarius. She still is. Um, you connecting it to live tonight? No, no, no. no. Now, I, now okay. I'm just saying... You're talking about that earthquake, what was going on in the Yes, and, well, sort of. No, he's talking about Santa Cruz in the, like, this. Yes, 70s. no, I'm actually just okay. saying, and here's the thing. And the next day, she said, wow, you were right. I was out of bed and... T- yeah, I know. Tell me that every month. And a month later, we met in the kitchen on the exact same day, and she had the exact same complaint. I go, hey, Rena, is it that day? I go, yeah. Good. Boom. So it's like one of those observable dynamics. Observable that when the dynamics. Is, and that's how you fucking and, learn it. Yes, and what we call Capricorn, the 30 degrees after the point that the sun is at the lowest point in the sky, winter solstice, we call it in the north. And that's why I say, even in the southern hemisphere, where the seasons come reversed... Capricorn is still hitting bottom energetically and rebounding off the bottom. Capricorn doesn't change. Uh, cancer, you, you, the days get, the sun gets higher and higher in the sky. The days get longer till about June 20th. We're getting there. Wow, that's a Bob Dylan lyric, and I'm seeing him three this, days later. This is why some of the signs are cardinal and some of them are, like, mutable? No, Not that is, it's divided into the, the 12 months, for some reason, the four, quarter, the four quarters, defined by the solstices and equinoxes, have thirds in them. Yeah. The first third, which will always be the first sign that introduces an element, is called cardinal. I say initiating. First signs are initiating. Middle signs, fixed. That just sounds bad. Stuck. Yeah. I just say peak. Concentrated. Like, use, use spring. First the height of it. First fire sign, and when the sun crosses above the equinox, oh, look, the days are... The, 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 the sunlight is fine. The daylight is finally longer. The days are finally longer than the nights. It's like sunrise for the year. It's the introduction of heat and sunlight and passion, the element of fire. A third of the way after that, midsummer, Leo, is the peak fire sign. And I say, even if you're in Australia, well, that's the middle of winter for us. Well, that may be, but it's still Leo. And that is about the element of fire, passion, heat. Mm. Okay. Mm. And actually, Sagittarius late autumn the third month of autumn cardinal is first months and first signs of elements so called fixed I don't use that word but I'll explain to people they, that just sounds like bad stuck it's concentrated it's peak is the middle month of a season and the third of the, of the element middle month of a season the middle peak of an element and the, and, the, and the third of the way after that is the one of the same element that brings it to resolution mutable yes. meaning adjustable Resolving. to bring it to resolution okay this thing is, there's a, a natural season cycle, heating up over the year, heating up, cooling down, giving off moisture, drying out. The four elements of fire signs, the passion of expression. Opposite, air signs, the space in which we're aware and mental. Water signs, the liquidity of emotional sensitivity, 
earth signs, the dried out solid concrete material stuff of life, and each one occurs three times. Begins one season, introducing it, peak of the next season, uh, brings it to resolution, and again, and by the way, it's all I'll, story. And I'll, uh, I'll well, so out of some of it, it's making up stories out of what I mean, has in been the sense observed. Of climax, anticlimax, but it's a but it's a story. But it's a story that it's describes like something that has been observed, right down to for some reason. A bit of that, what? Stories are the rhythm of nature. The stories as a rhythm of nature, they, not they a made up, up like with fantasy. Stories to explain, and the the the, the, the awkward thing was. It wasn't the stars. There, there were f- five, technically, but most people couldn't even see Mercury. Basically, four stars moved. And not in a natural, continuous circle. They would slow down. They would back up. Only with the people with good eyes? No, 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 no. On the contrary. Back before streetlights, everybody saw the stars, especially when there wasn't a big, bright moon. But the, plant, but the five planets? And the stars never moved. But the five planets looked like stars that moved. They named them out. They called them gods with special powers because they were stars. They were just pinpoints of light that moved. Like all the others, zillions, except four of them, because they, most of them couldn't see. It took a special person to notice Mercury. Jupiter, Saturn. A special person to notice Mercury. <laughs> well, it, it was a really subtle it was thing. Hard, it was small to so Only people with good and, eyesight could Well, see. and it only moved a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right of the sun. So it was a tricky thing to ever notice, and it still is. It still is a tricky thing to notice. Um, Venus actually also can only be a sign or two in a chart ahead or behind the sun, but it's really bright. They called it the morning or evening star because it gets really bright after sunset. So Venus kind of follows the sun around? Yes, Venus. Mercury is very close to the sun. Venus is actually the next one in. So Mercury and Venus are closer than us. Yeah. So Mercury is only a sign ahead of the sun. Venus can be wider and interesting reading. Uh, Oh, first book recommendation. Except we don't have logos anymore. Right. Where my friend, my yeah, right, logos was that's a big loss. The real good, like used resale store, the rule shit book, because religion of the stars. What? I was predicting the book recommendation. No, the the book is actually Worlds in Collision by Emanuel Velikovsky, who was a psychologist, maybe psychiatrist, student of Freud, contemporary from Russia. Yo, um, yo, went to Palestine worlds of and got trapped in America. Came to America on a research project and got trapped in World War II and stayed here. And he was just on a project. We've uncovered enough and translated enough of ancient peoples for for analytical purposes, for psychoanalytical purposes above whole nations. I'm going to try to coordinate ancient histories. We've, we've, we've translated their stuff, but we're not exactly sure. Wouldn't it be good to have a synchronized chronology of ancient peoples Yo. for even the kind of stuff we apply to people and repressed memories, things that they don't remember happened because it was too traumatic, but it would be good to remember it. Maybe you can process your, mm. your shit if you actually remembered what happened when mm. you were five. This was applying Freudian models to... That's all he was doing, and as a research project, probably had a grant or something, to try to line up the now well-translated, archaeologically uncovered histories of ancient peoples on, like, cuneiform stuff, but try to get straight. While this was happening in Mesopotamia, this was happening in China, but in the course of that project, he said, whoa, 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 these people don't all just have similar myths 
when you line up the chronologies, they happen on the same day. I think they came up with stories about things they observed, and it gets weirder. There's a whole big story about how this thing came and 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 fried the Middle East, and the sun stood still in the sky. It's in the Bible. It's in the fucking Bible. The sun stood still in the sky in the Western Bible. The Chinese got the same story, but it happened at night when the sky stopped moving for three days. Really funky stuff. This and then it's dealing in scale. It's dealing in scale. I'm like, why is Mercury affecting us? Why well, are civilizations okay. now you're going back to the astrology? The but the recommendation—I don't want to lose hold, this. Hold, the hold sky on a second. The recommendation, I, yeah, the recommendation I'm giving you is, my best friend. What was this guy's name? Emmanuel Velikovsky. Okay. There's actually three books. The first of them that came out was called Worlds in Collision. The second one that came out is the book that he was originally writing, Ages in Chaos. And there's even a, a, a geological one called um, Worlds in Collision, Ages in Chaos, Earth in Upheaval. Nice. His project was just to line up the now well-translated, really accurate you know, this king and that king in X many years, just trying to get straight while this was happening in Samaria, this was happening in China. But when he lined them up, he goes, holy fucking shit. They don't just have similar stories with, you know, different words or animals or whatever. But when you line them up, they claim they happened the same day. I think they all made up stories to explain something that really happened. And it's really funky shit. And you can look in your own fucking Bible when Joshua said, and the sun stood still in the sky and stuff. And that's how we were able to go into Jerusalem and slaughter. I'm Jewish. Hey, Jews. You know how the Jews, according to your history, you know how the Jews took over Jerusalem, the place they had not previously lived? And then God said, go in there and slaughter every man, woman, child, and animal. So you can say that's God's, what God wanted, but it is in your Bible. I've read it. You have not. You made me in Hebrew school. Deal with it, folks. I get in trouble at Passover. This sky standing still for three days, is that just winter solstice? No. That's not what they're talking about? That was the planet was stood still for three days. Like it was a And possibly when it was released started spinning in the other direction. There's really crazy, and he says, Whoa, don't worry, the earth. Indians have his, the India Indians have history and, and explanations from much longer and even crazier shit. This billiard ball physics, I started to say, billiard when, ball when physics. I got, when I first, I got turned on to astrology because when I was done with my thesis and we rented, me and Lisa rented a Submer Sublet Cottage in Mendocino and I'm gonna get into writing, capitulate to the muse, it's all gonna come together because I no longer, bullshitting for school and dealing with my mom. <laughs> yes for the first, wrong for the second. <laughs> the entire story of youth. Exactly. exactly. Uh, um, and I haven't said, whoa, Lisa, I went off with my notebook and that joint and I said, Lisa, I'm sorry to have to say this. I don't mean for this to sound like an excuse. I don't think I can afford for it to be one, but I think I've begun a whole new phase of going through. So I think I have stuff to go through and the world has stuff to go through before I take my place as the colorful, insightful, entertaining, therefore commercial narrator of the shit coming down and a better world of emerging. <laughs> By the way, this is the second time I've said this because earlier today at a great restaurant in Scotts Valley, 
I was taken to lunch by the director and assistant director who I knew as a I told her just the NT story is a today story. Yeah, today. I told her. I told her. I was telling her boss. Yeah, I knew her when she was working at Western I was a year out of residence. This is the Persian lady. Yeah, I never quite finished this DNT story. No, well now I am. Ask her out. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think that would happen. But I'm open-minded because, as much as I'm in love with the woman you saw me with, yeah. as much as I'm renewed in thinking, I think the day I met her and saw her, this one's way too distracted by her damage by her. to be a, a comfortable, loving partner to me, and she is resigned to martyring herself. To hurt, to hurt, to hurt, I am one and don't want that. I just want a partner. So, Wait, but you're a hurt lose, man. Don't you're a lose perfect the lunch fit. today. No, I won't. So, you're a perfect fit. Yeah, well, don't fight the no, flow, and even, and, even the, and even the astrology, it's a very odd, interesting thing. But at this point, I'm going with the pull of nature. I've, I, a long time ago, I gave the up resisting. The stars resi- are sliding I, up. I gave love up resisting. Love is the flow. The love warfare. I have for her. It's better. In fact, years ago, the, the store in Felton that's now called Felton Mercantile. Next to the White Raven, uh-huh. great shop. It's a it's a permanent maker's market. Wonderful, beautiful woman. Oh yeah. With they have to be artificial breasts. But we said this twenty years ago. It's when a maker's shop. But what? It's a maker's shop. You know that. Well, I'm just saying that. Oh yeah, the no, it is. Oh, so she made she her. Made, she no, made, she's, she's fantastic. Woman. We've been friends for twenty years. She's a wonderful woman. We're dear friends. I've never asked her, but you know, there must be nobody. She's she's filled out more, so it makes sense. Used to be teeny tiny, skinny, with no hips, and these giant. Exotic dancer breasts. We all decided, to, but she's a great woman. Was a single mom. I helped her get that place. I talked the landlord into it. She's great. She's wonderful. Shemay is her name. C H E R N E accent. Shout great place. Out. Go in there. But Shout it used out. to be uh, Outback Trading Company. I was dear friends. I still am. But she moved to Shasta with Claire, the Australian woman, and she was desperately trying to get over the last guy she thought it was all going to work out with, who broke her heart. Oh, it always Ricar- happens. Ricardo. And she, and she said, here, read this card he sent me. What do you think it means? You and I go, the stories when it works out. Exactly what it says. It's, you're, you don't you're, hear you're the trying stories to dis- when it works no. out? No. It works out sometimes. You just don't hear those Yeah, stories. you don't hear about it when it works she out. She says, Happy what do you think this means? I go, it means exactly over. what it says. He loves you, thinks about you. But, but she says to me, she's trying to get over him. I go, no, who knows? You got to take it as it comes. She says to me, she sees me sitting in front of the Raven with Joan, who bring her keyboard down to the Raven. I take her to the Chinese restaurant. In fact, one of those times, she's, we had a nice time. We didn't get into the some Chinese kind of, restaurant in Felton? Yeah, the chopsticks. Yeah. There used to be chopsticks. Yeah. And um, she's, so she's getting in her car. We had I'm a nice little time. Western breakfast. No, no, no. That's the NW root beer. It is Sam. so good. Now doing Western breakfast. This that's what you said? Yeah, no, that's not the same place. Not the same Chopsticks was the place next to the White Ravens. Oh, right. That right, used to be Felton Pantry. Entity. This podcast is the Thirteenth Constellation. Thirteenth Constellation is any conversation. Now that's true. Any conversation that happens that you have enough time with, you put three hours into it, and you can make it cohesive. It's like an egg. The avatar of the 13th constellation <laughs> is an egg. Let's okay. fucking crack it open. You're at lunch. Wow. You're okay, at lunch right. today. I'll go lunch back there. Well, yeah. I, I actually told, since I get something about me and I was going to now, and I'm finally there. And if you told me I had to survive two years of knowing what I was capable of, but I, I had some stuff to go through and the world had stuff to go through. So I was telling these people, they, they asked me to be on their board of directors, the, the, the cute Persian girl. And I, it's great because I said, I actually they said it. They asked you to be on the board of directors? Several years ago she did. Oh. And I said, no, I think I might be moving and it wouldn't be right, but I'll do an interview for you and I'll be in your TV commercial. And so recently I went there for something and, and I, I said, I think I need to see her because she's known me forever. She's known me when she was just brand new at a dental residency. And then she 
she po- I move over to Deontay's. My friend says, no, they're really good over there. Yeah, okay. I went there. She pokes her head in. What are you doing here? I'm here now. Okay. She's ended up now. She was the head of dentistry. Now she's the assistant executive of the whole place. And she says to me when I saw her a couple weeks ago, she says, well, I got to tell you, we're looking for client members for our board again. I go, okay, Seppi. I, I was just thinking, I feel kind of guilty because at that time, it felt like, felt like the responsibility, I really feel like I might be finally ready to get out of increasingly intense Santa Cruz and Felton. But I guess I really live here, so I probably should have done it. This is several years ago. Yeah. So she says, well, just a once-a-month meeting, whatever. And I said, she, I told her, I was actually just recently thinking about it because I knew I was going to see you because you know me from before I, either one of us were ever here. I thought this happened today. No, this is two weeks ago we had this conversation oh where she said, well, we're actually looking for a new thing. Yeah, I was just thinking, I feel kind of guilty because I turned you down then because it wasn't the right time. It turns out I didn't move and I should have done it. She says, well, we're actually so... So think about it. Offer still open. She said, she said, think about it. And I go, I just, okay. She says, I said, okay. She said, well, think about it. No, I just did. Okay. So today, she, who's now the assistant director of the whole thing, and they're building two new clinics, they're a great organization, and I gave it, okay. So today, I said, okay, great. It, Laura, the, the head, the CEO, who's been there 15 years, says, wow, I remember when I met you. And I go, yeah, okay, I didn't leave, so I might as well do this. You guys are great. I feel like I owe you. I ought to participate. And Class I, president is back on the board. And, I, and I, that's exactly what I said. So I actually, getting to other stuff at this nice lunch, I don't want to make you guys late, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. If you had told me years ago it was going to take this long, but I really did have to go through stuff, and the world has, and I'm ready to be the guy who can kind of colorfully explain certain things. By the way, oh. the answer was three. Further vehicle to delineate truth. Well, because I guess I'm re-emerging to delineate truth. Because at that night, November 10th, 1973, in the, going in the house where my buddies had taken over their house in the Berkeley Hills from their teacher, their professor, I'm going away on a year. So you three guys who I knew from summer camp, and it was the crash pad after Winter, Winterland shows was the great place. There was the Fillmore, which was an old ballroom upstairs, and it's still there. They've revitalized on the south side of Geary. But Bill Graham took over early on Winterland what was it called it was just called Winterland which was an ice rink with five rows of bleachers around it and a nice balcony and we're getting to your punchline yeah um and I had finally when when I said to my friend Scott Cooper the guy who started the China Cats but it's now Matt Hartle's blazing guitar but he has a much more mellower band that I like Rosebud I recommend them. They're going, they're going to be playing Thursday night at the Brookdale Lodge. I like them. Do some of his stuff. It's just a mellower thing. I like the other guitar yeah, player. Brookdale Lodge is a great place to Thursday see night. I, I got the I, thing I, today. I keep looking I, forward to it. Like and I, I apparently there. it's a really good venue now. Brookdale and, Lodge is so oh, and the people, rad now. The, a great, apparently a great guy finished the renovation that some guy, they're both Indian, I think, took it and I think probably started an arson fire when he couldn't finish the project. Some guy did it took it over. It's They're gradually re- redoing the, the creek room, whatever they call it, the yeah. room with it. And just like the trout farm is going to be incredible because the people who took that over I want to make you guys late for an important appointment. I'm tying this all together now. You'll see. And there'll be some loose ends we'll pick up later. But here's well, the thing. Done. We always start talking about the end when we're only halfway through. <laughs> well, here, so here's the thing. Um, so today, they took me to lunch and she's explaining, no, I've known him since I was a year out of residence. And I go, 
So I said, yeah, you were the cute Persian girl I liked getting as my dentist. And then you came over here. I actually did say that to her because now <laughs> she got married. She got divorced. She's got a 10-year-old. She said, let me show you the picture. He's 10 now. This, she this is your a... new girlfriend. No, no, no. I don't think this so. This is. I, I don't She's think so. She's got a 10-year-old. No, that's fine. Oh, no. My, He's ready, man. I, He's I've never been married and I have no kids. That's why I helped raise my girl, my old girlfriend's kids. He's Lisa, who's now 60-something. And Edward calls me because he's a native New Yorker going, years ago we became friends saying, she, can you, we, we would have dogs. I'd pick up the dogs, the two dogs, or bring, bring them down or bring, drop off the dogs. And, and Edward, I first got to know him. We could talk about the Beatles and architecture. You go, oh, you're not just some like high-strung yuppie guy. You're defensive about that. You don't want to be a yuppie. You just were wearing a leather jacket on a hot night because you wanted to look cool. But it turns out, no, you, Lisa first. should be with you. You know, yeah, that's great. And he says, do you have to go back tonight? Why don't you stay over? She's going to work. Stevens reached maximum saturation, dude. <laughs> well, I'm sure that. Uh, I can't believe it took this long. But, but he, he did say, because she's going to work tomorrow. Then we can talk about her family. You seem to understand them. They're driving me crazy. That's 30 years ago, mine. I, I, I officiated their wedding. It was me. It was Edward, Lisa. Okay. They're, uh, cut, they're cut, 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 right. cut, cut. Too okay. far. Too many ends. Right. Okay. Too many ends. So, okay, so that's the thing. So here's Tie the thing. Tie this in to the moment in the back seat when you're reading the dude's okay. mind. Who's, All right. When yes. we're walking down here right before we hit record on the podcast and we're talking about avocado pits being too big for any animal to swallow... So the tree must have designed that fruit for the dinosaurs. And Jedediah says, what would you want inside that Cracker Jack box? And I'm thinking in my head, a whistle. And Stephen says out loud, a whistle. A toy that makes noise. No, you didn't say <laughs> you a toy that makes noise. You no, said, I, no I explained. I would now and explain. And that's what I was thinking. Wow, a really? whistle. That's great. Because, because there is a magnetic um, network of that all thing. There is a radio broadcast that doesn't have to be recorded. But our little radios only get something to go, oh my God, I can't believe I picked up a fire call so from Berlin. so many frequencies we can't hear. Exactly. So here, okay, so, here's a, so that night, when I missed Bob Dylan last time he was in Santa Cruz, my friend Scott Cooper started, now both of these dead bands, and I recommend, it's mellower. I love him and his guitar, they're a great band. Brookdale Lodge, uh, Thursday night. It's weird, probably, is it free? Is it cheap? It's nothing. It's, a, it's a, a good thing to do, and I like them. I like their vibe. I like the dead tunes they do, the originals they do, the things from other people. Are you saying it's a free show? I know. I'm saying I'm not sure, oh, but it can't be expensive. It can't be expensive. It probably is to be free. Thursday night at Brookdale Lodge, where they're just finally starting to have music there, probably. Yeah. Um, and I'm I would going. recommend that. And I went to the Redwood Mountain See Fair that show. because the, the China Cats were playing, and I saw his wife, and I go, I, I just don't like them anymore. I don't like this guitar player. He's a nice guy, nothing personal. But anyway, Scott Cooper the guy who started both bands, when I said, I miss Dylan at the Civic, he says, you can't complain about missing anything. You saw The Grateful Dead in 1972. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I'm still apologizing for that. My girlfriend was going since 68. <laughs> and I go, I don't know what you see in this band. And I only went when they got a jazzy, melodic piano player to replace the dying, bluesy keyboard player, Pigpen, I probably never would have liked. So I only hit the 72-74 era of Grateful Dead. And the peak... Was that night? What? Well, when we were in the parking lot and we're getting out yeah. of the cars, and you said something about yeah. regretting what you had feeling. Oh, what well, you said about lunch? You were talking about this Dientes meeting. No, well, I wasn't. I, yes, and I yes, I was, and I wasn't talking about the Grateful Dead. I don't think I mentioned no. the Grateful Dead, and but, I don't want to sidetrack that but, story because no, I know but, we won't. But what I meant was <laughs> I'm just putting together the. <laughs> no, and why, why I said that is watch out because I had a meeting earlier today. 
the different lapse into some what? no the oh, lunch meeting he's talking about the, the, the lunch meeting the dientes meeting that where did, he's the board did and cover he's, they yeah. okay yes okay i will join your board and yeah. i would be good for your board yeah because of a few things so we met with laura the director and sapita tagave uh the persian-born my future wife according to him Yes. I don't. I don't yeah, think. I don't think so. But girlfriend. I did get to say. And you, you guys were the, are going to cuddle. I did Washington literally TV. say. I was probably talking more. Say, and you were the cute Persian girl. I like getting as my dentist, and now you're in charge and whatever. Okay, I, I did say okay, that. Okay, master threads happening. You're that, that, in the car coming from thing. Grateful Dead. You okay, so that's the, the thing. Orchestration so, of the was universe. That, that, that was now, that story is a 1972 thoughts. story. That was a 1973 story. I'd seen okay. the Grateful Dead. I first saw them October. I think it was 9th, 72. They were reaching a real peak of expansive, healthy... I wouldn't have enjoyed them before, I don't think, and they were great, and they took a break in 74, like, that's it, I think this might be it, and they came back in 76, putting on a show for new generations of deadheads that made Garcia a junkie and took the life out of them, and people who just saw them then think, that was great, it changed my life. So that was a noble thing. They weren't just doing it for the money. Isn't there a peak of healthy, and then if you keep going with it, it becomes... There's a great documentary on, on Amazon. You have to be able to maintain healthy. Well, there's a great documentary healthy on Amazon that I go... When I, when I, then at, you get in, the next level, which is stronger. Oh, at intermission, yeah, when... Mm. The intermission, oh, yeah. when they showed it in theaters, I called my friends in Portland who'd seen it the day before, and I said, this is great. It must get really depressing now. He says, no, no, it's still great, but you'll see, because Amazon financed it. I went to Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. Highly recommended. Really well done. Masterful, artful, musical, incredible. Shows you where it came from. Shows you how it peaked. And even quotes Phil Lesh, who I missed yesterday at, at, at Stanford, and that people said, no, it was really great. They're bass player. But um, he said, I didn't want to take a break in 74. I thought we were on a roll. I said, me too. Mm. And when we came back as a more formatted thing to put on a show, a traveling show for new generations of deadheads who needed the experience and all our dependents needed the paycheck, it became the job Garcia never wanted. I, I've said for years, when you have to take hard drugs to get yourself through being in the Grateful Dead like it's working graveyard at 7-Eleven. Something's wrong here. And I said it for years. I got in trouble for saying it. No, no, it's great for what it is. I'm glad you kids are getting off on it. My man DJ Mini came back from India and his mission wow. was to get a job working graveyard at 7-Eleven. Well, I, I thought you were going to say working for the Grateful Dead. got me to India. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I had the story for And I thought you were going to say his mission was to get a job at the Grateful Dead. Great, noble, but something was wrong. And later in the movie... Phil says, at that point, I would have taken a break. And he kind of looks off and starts to tear up. Like, that's what they should have done. And when Garcia mm. came out with a Rolling Stone cover story interview, because the last keyboard player OD'd and died, and we just took a few weeks off and then found another guy and went off, because we got a traveling job. And in this movie, his, I was there. I was in Marin. My next-door neighbor was all involved and took me in. I sat in Jerry's seat in the back of the limo the night before New Year's, eighty-nine ninety. Because he said, you need to say all this to Leon. His brother-in-law was Jerry's driver of seven years. He says, you get it. I can't even go to the dead. I Wait, know you? I, Randy says to me, I know how unhealthy it is. I'll go to the Garcia band where he can be himself. He's got this job. He's taken heroin. I know how healthy it is. And Leon, his trusted driver, my brother-in-law, I would go over to the house with his new baby. He says, you need to. So he set me up. He had a, set me on with a play date. The night before the New Year's show at Oakland Coliseum, First, I says, okay, come on, we're going. We went downstairs into the garage. 
I sat in Jerry's seat in the back of the limo. There's, there's Leon, the driver, Randy, my next door neighbor, his brother-in-law. Jerry's big fat fucking joint says, light it up. I took a hit off Jerry's joint and let it think, they're great. They've had 10 years of these punch the clock gigs. Brent is a great guy, great keyboard player, but he was hired as a, as a paid guy to keep it from lagging and fill in the spaces. Wait, wait, are you saying you had a, like a role play as you LARPed as Jerry Garcia? No, no, no. no. I sat in Jerry's seat in the limo because Randy yeah, wanted him. me Jerry's wanted me to say what I said to Randy, that I'm afraid Jerry is going to die drug-free driving off a cliff to one of these punch-the-clock gigs. And they've had 10 years of these punch-the-clock gigs, nobly motivated. New generations need the experience. But I know that he's suffering, that it's a job for him now. It's not just... This will tie it all together. It's not giving in to the energy of the moment and going wherever it takes you. I was late to the Grateful Dead, as I explained to Scott. But it is true. I caught them when they were still real giving into the energy and seeing where it took them. We were all in it together. Now we're getting to here. We were all in it together. We were still peers. It was like they were playing at a party. You had, you had opening bands. You had light shows. We're talking 1972. This is late in the game. Winterland, across Geary, on the other side. I saw the Rolling Stones there the week Exile on Main Street came out. That changed my life. Wow. Incredibly great. Hard rocking still blues band to the audience, and everything was moving the music. The dead or the, or the yeah, stones? Yes, time, no, it's absolutely true. It was still a party. It was still the acid test. We're just tinkering. We have music, music, musical instruments in our hands while we're all going through the same energy field. It's different every night. It's different yes. every moment, yeah. and you experience that. And I was so intellectually evolved, late to pot, late to acid. Had now taken acid uh, earlier that spring. First place I ever went outside the dorm room and took acid was to see Yes for the first time in the summer of 1972, the week that their drummer who just died, Alan White, were ready for stadiums. We're ready for music stadiums. Oh, I'm joining King, King... I'm a jazzy drummer. I'm joining King Crimson. We just made an album with you. We have a tour book. Yeah, good luck with that. They hired over John Lennon and George Harrison's drummer, who was more of a rockin' guy, Alan White. He just died last week. It's really sad. Oh and God. he made them, took them to the next level, I went there, I took a hit of, I guess they called it window pane acid. I thought I, did, I thought I must have been insane. I'm not on acid. I'm just, this band's incredible. Long Beach Arena. I got out to Long Beach and go, oh, I was wrong. I'm tripping heavy. This band is just some fucking extra galaxy, and I didn't even know it till I hit the street. And it was all the same summer. The Stones, today's the anniversary. Today's fucking 50th anniversary of the day I sat in line for eight hours outside Winterland. We're getting there. Yeah. It was a great old place. It was an old ice rink. It's where people ice skated. They had a great balcony that was bigger. And it was in a funky neighborhood. It looked exactly like... Eggs on Main Street. The sprung... Mick Jagger this day. I just... I don't know what people see in this album. What was that? Tell them not to interrupt because you're on a roll Okay. Uh, Mick Jagger last week in an interview says... I don't know why people are into that album. Because Keith ran it. The day I saw them, I go, oh, what? I said, it's general admission. Because the, the girl, uh, Queenie Taylor, who now runs, who, who booked the Dylan show at the, at the basketball gym, she came out of the steno pool at uh, Stevenson College 
And she went to work for Bill Graham, ended up running the place, but she got me my Bill Graham, my Stones ticket, because she figured it's all on the same computer. They're going on at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. No one in Salinas is buying Stones tickets. We're going down there to be first in line. And she organized the line into priority tickets, got the, the dweebs who were at the Sears. The Sears in Salinas ran the Ticketron thing. How many tickets can you slam? I know we each can only get four, but how many can you get out of the computer at once? 20, great. She organized the people, they took all the money, placed all the orders, and when they went on sale at 10 o'clock, they slammed, and half that crowd was people from Stevenson fucking college at UCSC because Queenie had run it right, and now she got me a fucking ticket for the Dylan show um, because... And I, because she's running the Another Planet, the ex-Bill Graham Productions people who are now Another Planet Productions who are putting on oh. the Dylan show there. And I got the memo from Facebook and I made sure all my stuff was accurate and I was ready when they were counting it down. It will refresh on your phone. It was even not even my computer. Go. And I went, give me one in the back. 65 bucks. Give me two. Okay. And... And it's, you know, 25 bucks that comes up tonight. Well, oh, that's not bad. And he's weird. And he's always weird. And he's doing only his most recent album that no one has heard. And it's all kind of weird. Okay. I, because of her, was at Keith Richards' feet. Going, And this is when Mick Taylor, a real guitar player, had joined the band. It was bluesy and funky, that album. And Mick goes, I don't know why people like this album so much. Because Keith got to make it strung out on heroin in a basement with real musicians. And you weren't even fucking there. Because you're the London School of Economics dropout who only joined the band when they were making enough money. And I was at Winterland Arena, where I hadn't even seen The Dead yet. I'd seen other shows there. And I was sitting there, and eight hours in line, because Bill Graham, who refused to get... You know what Altamont was? You probably do. The West Coast Woodstock... Rolling Stones have a press conference announcing when we're done with our tour, we're going to do a free concert in California like the Grateful Dead do. The Grateful Dead show up in Golden Gate Park on the back of a flatbed truck. Everybody finds out and goes there. You don't hold a press conference in New York City announcing that in six weeks you're giving a free concert in California. So never mind, you're not doing that in Golden Gate Park. They found some serious point in Sonoma. When this guy finds out the hot people showing up, never mind, I want like a million dollars bond. They found a place in the middle of fucking nowhere on a 10-foot high stage. It didn't work out and the dead didn't even play because they heard people are getting stabbed, we're not going to play. Phil says, and then the Stones made us made everyone wait like four hours with no one playing because they thought the movie would be cooler at night. It was funky. That was Altima. Mm. Bill Graham said, this is stupid. I am not going to be involved. Three years later, that was 69, three years later, they want him to promote their tour, their next tour. Oh, so, oh, now you need my help. Okay, here's what it's going to be. You're going to play two days, two shows, an afternoon show and an evening show, like I used to do in the fucking Fillmore. You guys think you're so fucking big. You're the greatest rock and roll band in the world. I heard your announcer say it because you told him to. That doesn't make you the fucking greatest rock and roll band in the world. Have you ever been to the Grateful Dead concert? Yeah. Anyway, yes, I will promote your tour. You're doing two shows, a Tuesday show, a Thursday show. Uh, no, you're doing... Three, before I get you on your arena tour, I'm going to show you what rock and roll... We're going to see if you're any kind of rock and roll band, let alone the greatest, the self-named greatest. You're going to play Tuesday, you're going to play Thursday. You're going to play an afternoon show, you're going to play an evening show. And two fucking day is the 50th anniversary, June 6th, 1972. 
that I sat in line in the drizzle and it looked like the cover was like a weird, funky, black neighborhood. The whole fucking thing was torn down for a square block of shingled condominiums. I'm getting close. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. Uh, Post and Steiner on the north side of Geary. Really funky neighborhood. All been gentrified now. The back then was like, whoa, shoeshine guys and hustlers and whatever. Just like I've ever seen the original packaging. It's like all sorts of stuff. Oh, we're very bluesy. Great. And that's why people like it. It's a double album. Would have been a better single album. You don't even know. You probably never bought a Rolling Stones album in your life. I hadn't because I thought you guys were kind of jive. But it turns out as I sat there going... Wow, I get it. Really great, hard-rocking blues band. Almost ruined, I said this that night, almost ruined by the preening twit lead singer who thinks he's the show. That was June 6th, 72. After eight hours in line in the drizzle, went and saw the show, ended up, because I could always... Then later that year, 72, August 9th, I went to see the Grateful Dead and really got it. They were great. They were melodic. They were jazzy. The first set is just kind of like loose. We're just at a party. We're just dicking around. I say electric tuners ruin the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. They used to have to take their time between every song, smoke a cigarette, tune up, and think about what they want to do next, what they felt like playing next. And the first set was kind of like loose at a party. You had an hour-long break. You were really tripping by the time they came out, and like they were totally different band, ready to really take you places, mm. go places. And I, I remember when they their song Stella Blue. I used to want to do a bumper sticker. This is too much. I would sit down in a sea of legs, and I also learned probably at that very. It wasn't that show because they moved the stage. Sit down while everybody else is standing. Yeah, I would be in a sea of in a, in, in a forest of legs, and I would sit there and say, "I need to make like, a bumper sticker." I sit down for Stella Blue, <laughs> and I just trip on things. <laughs> And I think that what I'm tripping on has something, like that thing that guy said to me a yeah. year later, I think that what I was tripping on has something to do with what they were singing and playing. Going down to the bottom in that song, Who's hitting bottom, <laughs> hitting bottom. Here? That's great that you say that. See the Grateful Dead movie, it's called uh, Long Strange Trip. And the maker said, I had a different title, but they made me name it that because it was a more commercially marketable title. Someday I'll tell you what the title is, and I, now I want to know. It's a great movie, including that he got back together with his original true love, Garcia, and she's in it, great, in the beginning, where it all emerged, and she's great at the end, because they got back together and he was healthy and happy. And then he went back to heroin. And it pulls away from her. What happened to you at that show? Well, at that show, I just really got it. I was intellectually evolved, I was advanced in my UCSC thing, I got how things interrelated, and I got, it's all about, I, by that time I had taken acid that spring. I'd gone, to, like I said, I'd gone to see Yes. And then I took acid, went to see the dead and I go, and I sat there outside the donut shop in North Berkeley, as you can possibly imagine, talking at great length about a lot of interrelated things with my then girlfriend. I think I really get a lot of stuff about this, what this is really about. But the bottom line is it's about giving to nature and go with the flow. And I certainly need that and I've gotten it all along. And wow, and I think I get how it relates to certain other things. And that's what exactly a year later in my car, after this incredible peak, we broke up. She went off with my oldest friend. I was fine with that because you're right. She says, you, you were finally being what I always thought you could be, and I was just being a bitch. And then I couldn't believe how easy it was to break up with you. You'd always been so jealous and possessive. 
that's because I was finally settling into the deeper level of myself. I was really ready for real partnership, but if not you, someone. I never quite believed we were really together. And then what happened that year later in the car? Well, so then, by then, I bought, the dead were coming, I knew they were like really peaking. I bought 52 tickets at probably $5. I invested 52, 52 tickets. tickets. I made a list of everyone I, I thought might want to go. I, 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 no, I don't think so, whatever. Like the day before, somebody said, you know what, I'm so, I can tell this is really great. Something's really happening. People said last night, I didn't go Friday. I didn't even go Sunday. Saturday night, it was the Saturday night. And I go, oh, I really should have got that ticket. I go, never did cross off your name, here you go. I knew you'd want it. 52 people got tickets from me. I sat in the back, dance. I didn't sit. I went in the back and they reconfigured the stage. I think that's the first time they moved it to, and I was in the back just, I would always just kind of dance and be loose in the first set. It was more like a party. And then at the end of a long uh, set break, I just wanted to go down to the front while you could and, know, and check out their gear. It probably wasn't that show. It was probably later in that 72 when I first started going. Because I went the first night and then they came back in December and then I went New Year's and that was 72. And I went down in front to the foot of the stage. There was a PA on the stage to check out their gear. But as luck or coincidence would have it, the house lights go down, the stage lights come up. I was in, I was, I was even some, a place that it was easy to stand because nobody wanted to stand there because you were blocked by the PA. Mm. Except then the house lights came down, the stage lights came up, everybody stood up, consolidated a little bit, and instead of being in the place you didn't want it to be, I was at Garcia's feet. <clears throat> go, oh, I'll have to remember this. So from now on... You got reconsolidated to the center... I, I, I um, just enjoyed being loose and tripping around or whatever and dancing in the back and whatever. So that in that 73 show, that November 10th, 73, I was there with my friends. Look, everyone, everyone got their tickets to me. This is cool. And some of them are like, thought they were going to miss it and they didn't. And this is really great. And they're in a great place. And this is really neat. Garcia had shaved, looked like a turtle. My friend played games with me. I dreamt that Garcia shaved. He had shaved, he looked like a turtle. And he lost a lot of weight. It's very weird. Um, got his first custom guitar. It was all kind of interesting. They were really great. And it was the first night they strung together, playing in the band, their great stretch-out centerpiece then. It was almost like the dark star of the time. Uncle John's band, Morning Dew. Uncle John's band, playing in the band. That's where my senior thesis for UCSC begins and ends. It's like, whoa. And that made quite a statement. And I was in the back of my VW, and my friend had to drive, and he said this, and he sat outside the house, when it was the party house after the dead show, says, you know what, you're always brilliant, and sometimes, and, and he can't always follow you, but tonight, that thing I said to you, and he says, and I went into the bathroom, did not masturbate, but I was tripping out in the mirror, and then I just kind of like, I think I'm ready to write and reemerge. That student body president in retreat, got to go to Santa Cruz, go through some stuff, learn some stuff. I'm ready to contribute. That was November 10th, 1973. This is June 6th, 2000... What year is this? Not 12. 22. That sounded so futuristic. 2000 sounded like we'd be living on the rings of Saturn in our anti-gravity boots. Now it's like, oh, you got carrot juice in the 7-Eleven, though. Yeah, that's very futuristic. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) You got carrot juice in 7-Eleven. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the 1960... 
five Disneyland promised me in 1960, 1955. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, but it, your emergence is as the translator of the, you're the narrator of the universe. Of in, the, in a weird words. way. I'm a cultural historian with a certain amount of insight. And I somehow lived to the day. John Kennedy was killed. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, okay. Young, handsome, what is she, French, beautiful wife? No. It all came to a crashing halt on November 22nd, 1963, the day the Beatles' second album was released. Yeah. The one that now, they finally got a record deal. They could not get a record deal. They were told, there's a great thing, the head of Decca Records says to Brian Epstein, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to tell you what nobody's going to tell you. These guys are going nowhere. They're obvious amateurs. You're not doing them any favor by giving them false hope. Brian Epstein, their manager, ran the record department in his parents' furniture store. The last line was, groups of guitars, this is 1962. Groups of guitars are on their way out, Mr. Epstein. You really should stick to your furniture business. They got signed to the best label by a guy, George Martin, who was just looking for something new. They were. Says, they weren't that good. They couldn't really write. They had a stupid drummer, but I knew they had something and I could teach them the rest. I love this, but we're running out of daylight. Okay, great. I want to hear this poem, okay. but I don't quite know yet what your consolidated vision oh. of how you saw yourself. Like you had, you went through a quest. I didn't, no, you no. You emerged I, I know, I've never gone through a quest and I never, because I've always been onto something. I was, a, I was the first of my generation in my family I was smart. I went through the, a very traumatic, awkward divorce and remarriage that put me in some weird situation. I expressed it as being a student politician, a, a smiling, clever... Did, you got remarried? No, I didn't. My mom did. Oh, your mom did. Um, it was awkward. It was weird. It was ill-fitting. Um, things weren't dealt with because back then things weren't dealt with. So I became a kind of an awkward, uncomfortable... I had a step name. And I channeled it into being a student politician who... After Kennedy was killed and the Beatles, who could not get their records released in America for the first year of their chart-topping su success, and I will throw this in, on November 22nd, 1963, you ever heard of Walter Cronkite? Yeah. He was the, the CBS anchor man, who was yeah. the most trusted man in America, when there wasn't much news and he was the guy. And the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite recently expanded from 15 minutes to half an hour, and your dad watched, because he understood this stuff, was supposed to end on Friday, November 22nd, 1963, with a little report from the London Bureau about this pop band that is some big sensation, and the sociologists say it's not just some teen fad. Some bottled-up post-war energy is being released here, Yo. and it's a curative Yo. thing, and even the parents like it, and they showed the Beatles playing She Loves You live at a theater in Manchester, and a 14-year-old girl named Marcia Albert, well, first of all, didn't run that day, it was supposed to end the CBS Evening News to send you off on your weekend. But a really big fucking thing happened that day. And I was 11 years old, which is old enough to understand the shock. Why are the parents, why are the teachers crying? This is incredible. It seemed like some random horrible thing. But it was shocking, horrible, changed everything. And six weeks later, well, I won't even say that. I won't go off into stuff. I'll just say that day... This, new, this news report was supposed to end the news for the weekend. Yeah, it's an interesting report, but it didn't run because suddenly it's 24-hour news for the next four days because a really fucking heavy thing happened that is shocking. Not just sad, but like something shattered a bullshit reality. It was like a rock going through the window. 
and you could see through the window there was a lot of interesting stuff going on out there. Some of it beautiful, more beautiful than we know. Some of it scary and people were kidding about it. And two weeks later, three weeks later, Walter Cronkite said, we've grieved enough. It's time for something uplifting. Let's run the report on that British pop band. It ran, I think it was December 17th, 1963, and a 14-year-old girl named Marsha Albert wrote her, the disc jockey at her easy listening station because we didn't have rock and roll. They had Beatles saw we can't get a records released in America because they got the real rock and roll that we love. George came back from summer in Illinois because his sister made an American, says, that's not it. Yeah, they got a million radio stations. We just got the BBC. They don't know anything about Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran. Music is stupid on their radio. And that can't be why we can't get records. With, because the records were rock and roll, revolutionary, primal. It was nigger music that makes the kids talk back to the teachers. Yep. We got rid of that in the late 50s. Yep. And the Beatles grew up on it, learned to be good at it, got clever at it. Just and, wide enough at it. And by the time they were... But they still couldn't get the records released in America. She Loves You, Yeah, 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 was pronounced by the VP at Capitol, the American label of their record company, EMI. Not suitable for the American audience. That wasn't a misunderstanding of what would sell. That was, we don't have music like this. We, 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 we nipped that thing in the bud. She, Marsh Albert, Albert, saw the thing on TV, writes Carol James, her disc jockey in WWDC, why can't I saw this thing? Her why, local DJ. Why can't what's that? Her local DJ. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, you've heard this story. Yeah. Why can't we have music like this in America? He knew it too. Maybe even knew about the Beatles because now. Why play, can't we have music like this in America? The re- first revolutionary political question asked wasn't by a Marxist. It was by a teenage girl in Chevy Chase, Maryland. She wrote him a letter. He said, "Yeah, I know." Got a British Airways stewardess to bring him. The Beatles thought it was um, consumer fraud to put your single on the album, so they made an album with 14 songs, not 12, and an incredible single that was like everything on all the album wrapped into one. It was I Want to Hold Your Hand. The revolution is she, I Want to Hold Your Hand. She, she brings him the thing. Oh. He, he brings her to the studio. Oh. I used to have the recording, but it was wiped out, and I, maybe I can get mm. it again. He didn't just have her on the phone. He brought her to the studio. It says, and now, uh, exclusive on WWDC. Marsha Albert from JBJ's Maryland and she says and now for the first time on the air in America here are the Beatles singing I want to hold your hand and he made an acetate copy for his DJ friend in Chicago Capitol filed a cease and desist order we've got our own plan to carefully introduce this band in February when they come to play on the Ed Sullivan Sunday Night Variety Show and Brian Epstein, to his credit, gets on the phone and says, we don't have a distribution deal with you. You release this record or you're getting none of them. They released the entire back catalog. By the time they arrived in America, six weeks later, with our young, hip president dead and every, all the illusions that went with it, the Beatles, fuck, changed the world because they were primal, they were real, they were raw, but they harmonized, they were irreverent but funny. We know they're teasing us, but gosh darn it, I can't help liking those guys. It changed fucking everything. That's when I graduated into junior high school and became the student politician narrating the new generation of hipness. Um, Eventually came here, and I'll cut to, years later after being very reluctant, okay, I went to see The Grateful Dead. That was great. Caught my wave, really got it, could articulate it from the deep poetic place of just insight. 
they peaked out in 74, I saw them in Paris. And then they said, we think we might be done. They come, they told Big Graham, you're doing what? No, you are playing five nights for me, four nights for me. And then you can do at Winterland, and then you can do whatever you want, you losers, you babies. They took two years off. When they came back, it was formatted. Something about it didn't work for me, even in this movie I'm recommending called Long Strange Trip on Amazon Prime. Really well made, very artful, very musical. But even in the end, Phil says, when we came back for years, he says, I thought there was something we lost that we never got back. Yeah, because it was putting on a show for new generations, trying to be real. It was good for the people who'd never seen it, but it wasn't quite the loose, healthy thing. Bring us to the poem in the and Sex now, Pistols. And now I am. Because it's connected in a okay. potent So way. here's the thing. In the middle of their two years off, where they even had side bands, Garcia had his band, Bob, Pretty Boy Bob Weir had some band, Keith and Donna, the singer, and they would play gigs where all three of their side bands... Is he going to pee? Yeah, I think so. Don't stop, don't stop. Well, you're missing an important part of the story. I can wait for you. Okay, hold on, can I, I'll find. I'll find the thing. Yeah, do we? Because we're almost there. Hear the story before the poem, but no, no, no. This is this is tied we, right in. We yeah, no, no. We're we're at the poem now. Yeah, we're at the night. I the way you told it to me, like while you were sitting in us at a stop sign in your car with your mother and your sister. Is that not when you told me the story? I told you a story that had something to do with that, but that wasn't this. Okay. I don't know, I, I, when, I, I don't know when I got this story. There will be no quiz. No, I don't, that was, I'm sure that was minutes. one of my many things. <laughs> but rather than try to remember what that was, <laughs> I'm just going to do the tidy thing, thing. <laughs> for now. Oh, okay. All right. I don't so, want to miss the So meat. here's the thing. So they took a break. Break, 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 break. That they were up at Bob's house in Mill Valley. I used to just live below it. They were doing some new stuff. Some Mickey new Hart, some new the, 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 who was with them with their really interesting late 60s thing and left the bands for years, was now back. They're working up new stuff. It wouldn't come out for another year. They played one show. People kept going to the shows with their spinoff band. Sometimes all Frost Amphitheater in Stanford, where they were, Phil's band was this week. There was that show. They're all going to, the dead are going to play. This is it. They're finally going to play again. They didn't. And then I was moving. We got that summer sublet cottage. I dropped off my thesis, Memorial Day, 75. Lisa took the bus up to that summer sublet cottage in Mendocino. I went down to Santa Cruz to get our stuff in her car and our cat. And the people I went with said, the dead are playing tonight. Everybody knows it. There's some benefit. It's not called the Garcia Band. It's called Garcia and Friends. And for all the people who kept being excited for all these gigs, the dead are going to play. We all went. And tonight, everybody knows. Tonight's the night. That Winterland. The dead are going to play. And here's your ticket. Mm. And I drove up. And I found my secret parking space in the parking spots of the law office. The um, of the law and I cracked the window, window for, for my, my cat. cat. And I went in, this is like your thing, and I, other bands, and what is, 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 tonight's the night. And we're going to see some version of The Grateful Dead. Haven't in a year, won't for another year. They set up that set Wow. I am 10, 15 feet from the foot of the stage because I knew how to, not pushing anywhere. I'll go at the end of intermission and I'll end up moved over to exactly where I want to be. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around one last time to see if there's anybody I know who might have a hit of acid. I don't need it. I'm just, I would do it. I would do it. It happens in a while. And I know, and uh, vision, the guy next to me just looking up at me, he was kind of small. And at the moment I said, never mind. I don't want to think about this anymore. I don't see Lee Siegel. Doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm about to see some version of the Grateful Dead for the first time in a year. And then the guy next to me just looking at me says, are you looking for this? Yeah. Bought her paper. Okay. Took it. They come out. They were fantastic. New stuff. And then, and two drummers, this, this polyrhythmic thing, which I'd never been around and seen. New material. All the material. Great stuff. And then they did this big, long set piece called Blues for Allah, which ended up being the name of the album. They make an entire side of the album. The album. They were making Blues for Allah. Blues for Allah. A-L-L-A-H. And I'm watching this, and the two drummers, and light show, and images, and I'm tripping, and I am so, it's like dinosaurs walking through the world, and I'm so blown away that for the first time ever, I had to leave, and I went up into the balcony, which was empty, and I sat in the first row of the back of the balcony, kind of like I'm gonna be at the, at the Dylan show, the sound is best in the back, no more, no echo, and I was in the back of this long room in the balcony, and I'm listening to this music, and I'm feeling this music. The dead are back. They're different. They're deeper. They've reclaimed. There's a depth. There's something different that's going on. And the two drummers reminded me. Somebody said, oh, you mean like Ben-Hur? Yeah, like one of those Cecil B. DeMille movies, like they're, you know, um, chained to the oars of the slave, slaves chained to the oars of the ship, and the drummers would beat faster because we got to get there. And for some reason, I had that image. And... That was July 75. In 1977, only two years later, it seemed like a long time, I heard they were closing Winterland. And the de- uh, me and Lisa were in LA. The dead were playing a few nights and then New Year's. We flew up, we were living in LA then, went to see the dead. An image, I wrote a series of poems that kind of year and a half, like a birthday card, five lines or something for somebody. In this case, I had an image, and I had this image that came from that night that I had written. And the last time I was at Winterland, I got a, I, I had gone upstairs to the balcony from the second time, just to see, the second time I've ever been there yet. And when I came down the narrow stairway down to the lobby, on the wall, where you turn the corner at the stairs, I took out my purple crayon and I wrote the poem I had written on the wall. You rewrote a poem that you knew, that you had already Yes, no, I had, I had written, I had I written, catch that I, I had written that poem. I had a little booklet of poems, maybe that spring, I collected it. was originally book. on a birthday card. I know, it's that, there was a poem from my grandmother that was on the birthday card to her. There was, maybe I sent this, I maybe sent it to the dead office, like, like deadheads could do. I must have. I think on a postcard with the Santa Cruz boardwalk. But I think there was a different one, so I'm not sure. I'd written this poem. I'd called it Religious Spectacle because it was like those movies that were like, you know, Religious Spectacle movies. This image I had, and it was like about a five-line poem that captured what I felt like sitting in the front balcony, looking at this sea of peers 
we're back. The dead are back. This is heavy. This is weird. The world, Nixon's gone. I don't know where we're going now, but some version of the Grateful Dead are at even heavier level. And we're all in it together. And God knows what's happening. Nixon's gone. We're out of Vietnam. But the world is weird. And God knows what's happening next. But we are in this together, still peers. And there's a version of the Grateful Dead, even heavier. Even Mickey's back. Okay. And I had written somehow this poem that was in a little book of poems that my friend wanted to collect. Some birthday cards. Some, in this, including this one. That was that spring. That's when they graduated UCSC. So like about a month earlier. And this is about... Oh, must, this is by now, it's almost, um, no, yes, the poem came from July 75, by spring 77, it was in this little book that my friend wanted to do, so it was in there, and by New Year's, I went to see the dead, they were back on tour now, I wasn't quite into what they were being, honestly, and I really wasn't for years. In fact, I'll even skip to in about 1983. We've got to get the... Yes. You wrote the poem no, with no, the purple No, no, hold on. Now, now we're here. We're here at the end of the, of the story. So here's what it is. In about 1983, I'm sitting in an old bookshop Santa Cruz, where the building that they finally just built apartments was, and this book had come out. It's called The Book of the Deadheads. And it's organized like a scrapbook. It's got all sorts of things, pictures and articles and things from the early days and things from the 80s. It's kind of a book for 80s deadheads, but it's a history of the dead. And it's actually organized like a dead show. First set, intermission, arrival, mm. first set, intermission, and all sorts of things, all sorts of different things. Pictures, reviews, little articles, snippets, the dictionary where they got their name, all sorts of stuff. I'm an hour at least into leafing through this book and the guy next to me is too. We're both looking at this book. I had stopped seeing The Grateful Dead. Something about that formatted touring dead thing with a new keyboard player hired to keep it moving just didn't work for me. Wasn't as real, wasn't as natural, wasn't as going with the flow wherever it went. I said I'd rather be at a bad dead show from 1972 than a slick performance like they put on now. Yeah. Out of sincerity. It's so and, different when it's and, a performance. And these kids didn't see it, so it really is a true Grateful Dead. The camaraderie, the thing. Garcia catches fire, everybody cheers. Then he zones out as a junkie. Oh, whatever. Okay, not a problem for you kids, a little bit of a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when he was 29 and healthy, okay? Here's the thing. Wow. I'm leafing through this book, absorbed, fascinated, if there were any doubt, just great things, quotes from people. Oh, and even somebody's notes from some show. This is the first set. Okay, I don't even know what show this is from. Some real show. Pictures, great things, looks on people's faces, whatever. There's even the movie that they made, that four-night stand before they took a break and maybe it's at the end. I used to think it was bad and it kind of depresses me, but you can find it on YouTube. And it's actually pretty good. It does capture things, even at the time I thought, eh. But the Amazon movie, that's a documentary, is really good and I highly recommend it. So I'm going through this, I'm going through all this stuff, and it's taking forever, and this guy next to me, we're both tripping on the whole thing. I hadn't seen the dead in years, and I'm leafing through crazy stuff. I mean, interesting stuff. It's just, it's a very well done book. I think it's out of print. And you can see just how much different stuff. Oh, trivia question, great. By the way, three golf balls on the moon. I'm gonna throw in this one thing. I remember that <laughs> they say, okay, how many golf balls on the moon? They go, that seems like something I might stupidly know, though I don't. 
But I do remember that Alan Shepard brought a golf club and balls on the moon to see what it was like on the one-fifth gravity or two-fifths gravity of the moon. So I said, okay, you hit one, you go, wow, look at that baby you go. All right, let's hit another one and see if I can make it go farther. At which point you go, and it's all on TV to the home planet, you go, at which point you go, I'm an astronaut on the moon. I can't be hitting golf balls all day. Okay, one more. I guessed three. Yeah. And then they kicked over the board, threw their stuff at me, and one of them said, I was willing for you to know this, but I'm not going to sit here and watch you figure it out. <laughs> but I did. My fr- Recently, this guy said, guess three, says, because there's three golf balls in a package. And I go, wow, then that yeah. should have been the easy answer. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm leafing through this thing, interview, this and that, about the original acid test, all sorts of stuff. Really... The common ground between the dead and the young deadheads is the belief that they're... Whatever. Um, I'm going through all this. Second set, oh. When it really gets good. This, yeah, where it becomes where a it whole other thing. Deep and whatever. And I'm proud to say that the, uh, that the cent- center of this, when I read the guy's notes, is their great thing, St. Stephen, which I had never seen until years later because they, they retired that. I didn't ever mm. see them play. They needed two drummers, they claim. Mm. And I'm leafing through this, and it's taken forever... And it's all really good. Here's a New Year's thing. Whatever. And all this. One kid. This isn't me. One kid. Give me the light a little bit. One kid stands near the stage, staring at the equipment. His thick black hair is a tangle of knots. He's wiping his bare chest with his wrinkled shirt. I can't believe it, he mutters. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. A friend comes to him, placing an arm on his shoulder and offering him some water from a canteen. Believe it, he says, that's the dead. And when is this from? 1970. This is from July 14, 1970. Okay. And I turn the... I I think I just had just read that. Oh, and this. This is great. I, I took a long time. This great picture. This guy looking at this tripping girl. There's some article here from some straight press about, wow, which is the, you know, some St. Petersburg, something, which is the Grateful Dead? And go, wow, it's kind of interesting, blah, 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 blah. This is a really good thing. I want to tell you about a girl I saw that, it's a really good thing, took a lot of time on this page, Mm -hmm. totally captured it. Where are your children, parents, and then there's a quote above it from also 1972. Where are your children, parents? They're out on an evening with the Grateful Dead, blitzed on acid and changing overnight while you worry about them being raped or something. Mm. Okay? I spent a long time with this picture and this whole thing that really was from Trenton, New Jersey times. Just somebody had to go to a Grateful Dead concert to cover it and comes with a really fresh... And whether you were there at the beginning... This this is a really good thing. Straight press, first Dead show, capturing something for the Trenton, New Jersey times. And then I turn the fucking page. Sitting in Bookshop Santa Cruz an hour and a half later. And I see this and I go, wow. Oh, I know this moment. This is where I would be at this moment. This is the house lights going down and the stage lights coming up. And I look at whatever this little clever ditty is. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is familiar to me. I think I've seen this somewhere. It even says, Deadhead Poem, Santa Cruz, California, 1977. Mm. And then I read it. I go, wait a minute, I think I've seen this somewhere before. I go, wait a minute. I wrote this in purple crayon on the wall at the bottom of the stairs from the balcony the last time I was at Winterland. I didn't write the 
title, which was actually a religious spectacle, because that's how I saw the scene from one of those movies. And it goes, Down in the cavernous damp of the great Ark Winterland, slave children drive to turn forward the wheel against the sea. A synchronous chorus in tune with thunderous music, ground out of time into diamonds. From somewhere above us, a steady storm, the Grateful Dead. The crazy thing is, I immediately changed it. I actually changed it into ground out of time into diamonds from somewhere above us. Yeah. A steady storm, the Grateful Dead. Lisa says, I prefer it this way. But Good, because this is how it ended up in the but book. But they this- didn't get this until after that Sex Pistols show. No, 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 no. Right? No, no, the, no, no, no. That's the punchline. That's the punchline. I'm not trying to break it No, for no, you. no. I think somebody wrote it down because the next spring, they'd closed Winterland. That's why the dead were playing. That's why I wrote it in 76. I, I composed the poem at just a, words from an image I got sitting there at the balcony. It looked like they were all slaves and it was the drummers giving the beat, we're going to a new world. And we just got to keep on going. Yeah. It was the image I had. Changed to their oars. Yeah. That's always, this was just words capturing this image I had, like from one of those religious spectacle movies. But it metaphorically, it was like, wow, this, they're leading us. And they're not the leaders. They're just providing the thing. And they still were at that point. But my best friend... They reopened Winterland that was about to be torn down and turned into a square block of shingled condos. And that's what it is now. And my friend Larry Decker, they reopened it for the Sex Pistols because the Sex Pistols did the one tour of America. And I think it was the spring of 78. And the last stop and the last gig ever of the Sex Pistols was when they played Winterland on the last stop of their American tour in 1978. Was it the last show at Winterland? It was the last show at Winterland because they had 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 what they thought was the last show at Winterland. Yeah. But they opened it up to do this and Larry went and I said, wow. Right before it's about to be torn down. Yes, right before it's about to be torn down and I said, wow, this is in the middle of the original punk emergence. The Ramones and shit like that. You know, making fun of Yes and the Grateful Dead and people like that. And I said, Wow, Larry. It was, a, it was a building you could kick the shit out of. You could break whatever you wanted. They were about to tear it down. You could kick holes in walls and stuff. Yeah. And I said to Larry... And the Sex Pistols were playing. And the Sex Pistols were playing. The last thing ever played at Winterland was the last ever Sex Pistols gig. Talk about a recipe for chaos. Yeah, for anarchy. Yeah. And I said to Larry, so, uh... I... My Grateful Dead, so were there like swastikas in blood over my stupid fucking hippie Grateful Dead poem? In he the says, Purple Crayon. Yeah, in the Purple Crayon. He says, no, it was the weirdest thing. The whole place was totally trashed, and your Grateful Dead poem was unfucking touched. Mm. Mm. This concludes our episode of The Psychedelic Blacksmith. <laughs> Gather around next week, kids, when I explain to you how the Electoral College works and why it's really not so bad they're screwed it up to take advantage of us. Believe me, I can make that colorful, too. (laughs) 
Right on, Steven. Yeah, tell us one more. To, tell us one more we time went, how people find you. We went what, places. If somebody wants a reading, um, you can give him my number. He's got my number. <laughs> this is on the internet. <laughs> What's on the internet? No, it's the, this is it's, um, cosmic. Cosmic circumstances yeah, is cosmic my website that really needs an update, but it's it is got there. Your contact info. Yes. No, it does. Oh, okay. It does. Cosmic circumstances. Cool. Um, and uh, nice. because because even it's just, so dark out here now, it's reminding me of the night that my friends and I in high school walked through these woods in the pitch black, vowed not to pull out our flashlights. Yeah. And as we were walking, saw we saw glowing mushrooms. <gasps> Yeah. Mushrooms wow. glowing off the side of the trail as we were stumbling our way from the upper parking lot all the way over to the high school. That's very cool. Um, so thank you know, the reason why I said I had to apologize earlier because well we talked about all our business, because okay, I'll be on your fucking board of directors and because I believe in what you're doing and I'm probably a good guy to do it. And somehow over lunch we got into I guess this is the beginning of my public reemerge. The third wave of my public reemergence yeah, is taking a little longer. Wait, that than happened today. There's a big thing yeah, that was lunch right today. Now. Wait, people, so now people you're been sitting just on, the roof? on a podcast that like, very same day. So, same talk day. about more of the stuff I had to apologize for, but you're supposedly into it. So <laughs> I, I, I did reach the punchline of the one thing. And by the way, astrology, like I say, I think it's just observing the rhythms of nature and how they combine here. And the bottom line is. Just go along with nature.